All right, friends, listeners, another episode of the Borderlands podcast coming at you. This is Denrock, your host. Um, this will be the last podcast of 2020. I've got um, a repeat guest on today. Very happy to have him back. Brother Sam is here to um, kind of do a, a 2020 year in review, talk about some of the notable events, um, some people we lost this year. Um, also going to encourage Sam to, um, you know, share some of the high points of his life and the things that he think uh, he thinks are uh, were important or noteworthy this year. Uh, but without further ado, the uh, 2020 in review from the Borderlands podcast, Enlightenment from the Fringe. Sam, we're live. Awesome. It's okay, great to I be back on you. the show, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've always bounced around the idea of you coming back, and it just hasn't happened. I think our lives are so crazy right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things haven't materialized here recently for yeah. anybody. But uh, so, you know, you, you're constantly reading on the Internet and hearing people say, like, what a shitty year, worst year on record. You know, I think it's – it's really hard to say that it's the worst year ever, but man, um, there was some bad stuff happened this year. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think like, you know, and some of these people, uh, celebrities and sports figures and whatnot that we'll talk about who uh, passed away this year, they, they came after uh, the disaster that has been covid and so each one of these deaths, people just said, gosh, can this year get any worse? And then it was, man, now so-and-so is gone. Now we've lost this person. And, you know, so the, it, it just seemed like bad thing after bad thing just kept piling up all year long. Um, now, we're also, like I said, we're also going to talk about some of the good stuff that happened this year. And I think that's what we'll close with. Um, but first, I just wanted to talk about um, some of the notable deaths uh, and same, you can chime in with commentary on any of these. You can add to uh, the list uh, some of the notable deaths from this year. This is the list I've compiled, I think, is alphabetical order. So these are uh, chronologically, they're going to be out of order. And, um, you know, I, by no means is this an exhaustive list of important people that we've lost this year. But these are people that um, I'm familiar with that um, – I noticed when they passed, um, you know, that not that they had some tremendous impact on my life, but they're famous people that I grew up with, uh, and we're sad to be without them anymore. The, so, uh, this guy named Chadwick Bozeman, I think I'm saying his name correctly, died this year after a very short battle with colon cancer. Um, he's the guy, an African American actor that rose to fame as the Black Panther and Black Panther, as we all know, is this uh, highly acclaimed Marvel um, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, film that uh, took place in a fictitious land called Wakanda and um, really brought a, a lot of uh, new and 
rising African-American or black stars uh, to the forefront and kind of uh, springboarded their careers in acting. Wouldn't you agree, Sam? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, this guy, uh, he he passed away in August. I have August the 28th this past year. He was only 43 years old. And I think um, that was very striking to lose a star that really hadn't even peaked, I don't believe, in his career at such a, a, a young age uh, of a disease that we consider to be uh, to exist in older people. And uh, just <clears throat> the, the, the rapidity with which uh, his medical condition declined was amazing. Um, and then I think he, he lived with this problem in, in privacy for at least a couple of years. So I think his death and his cancer diagnosis actually came as a surprise to many people. Um, so we'll miss Mr. Bozeman for certain. Next is uh, Wilford Bramley, uh, Quaker Oats guy. A lot of us know him from <laughs> the diabetes commercial. Yeah, actually, um, uh, for, yeah. oh I my forgot gosh. about that guy. What else was he on? I mean, he was, he was on every kind of, uh, you know, silly, uh, half comedic um, TV show back in the 1980s, I feel like. Um, uh, I think he'd kind of faded away already probably due to advanced age and, and illness uh, but he died august 1st um, at age 85 so he lived uh, a very long and fruitful life uh, but he will be missed next on my list is lou brock major league baseball star uh, he passed away september 6th he was 81 years old this guy um you know he was one of the first uh, kind of collectible baseball cards I can remember getting when I was a very young kid thinking, wow, this thing's going to be worth something one day. Um, he's a two-time uh, World Series winner with the um, uh, Cardinals. And uh, he was just this guy that was um, like the, the quintessential leadoff hitter in baseball. He could get on base more often than not, more often than most other players. And then as soon as he got on first base, he'd steal second. Like, so almost, it felt like almost every at bat with him was a double. Right. Um, Cause he, I mean, he was so fast, uh, so skilled with the bat, you know, could just put the ball wherever he wanted. Um, great player. He'll be missed. Uh, next name. We're staying in the sporting world. Uh, and this is a biggie. Kobe Bryant. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I feel like his death had to have shocked the entire planet. Yeah, that was one of the – that was a reverberating uh, – Yeah, this – he died uh, in January, January 26th, age 42, uh, so younger than I am currently. Um, this happened prior to COVID, so we hadn't had, like, the, quote, shitty year <laughs> yet. But I think this might have been – one of the, the biggest things that make people think like, gosh, this is a crappy year. We lost Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, of course, uh, spent his entire NBA career uh, in Los Angeles with the Lakers, 20 years or 20 seasons. Um, he won five NBA championships with the Lakers, and he was an 18-time NBA All-Star. And in retirement, uh, he went on to um, – coach and develop basketball players 
at his basketball academy. The name of it escapes me now. Um, and he um, was flying locally, you know, I think from point A to point B in the Los Angeles area uh, by helicopter and some adverse weather conditions got hold of that uh, whirly bird and, and they crashed. And there were some other people on board there. I don't mean to diminish their deaths, um, uh, but I'd also mention that um, his daughter, uh, I wish I could recall her name. I didn't write it down. But I remember it was his daughter and and their friends and they were going to some. It's like they they were commuting. To a a, a sporting thing for the daughter, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that that one had uh, just shockwaves, reverberations all across the United States, like all across the globe because his his talent was just that far reaching. You know, certainly – Professional basketball, I think, is in large part a uh, an American sport, but it has spread worldwide. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, you know it's become increasingly more popular in uh, Asia, particularly in China uh, and in Europe, in some countries like Italy, um, Germany, Spain, and um, he was respected. I think by all of those markets, by all of those cultures. Um, and we will certainly miss him. I, I can only imagine what he might've been able to go on and accomplish, you know, perhaps as a coach, you know, and mentor. Um, I suspect he may have even had an acting career ahead of him. Who knows? Next in the alphabetic order is Sean Connery. Uh, a gentleman who played, um, James Bond in a number of the uh, earlier James Bond films. Um, A very highly respected actor, a gentleman. Um, Gosh, you just loved his voice, his accent, his Scottish accent. And um, he died at age 90 on October 31st. You know, um, like about Sean Connery and especially these older actors, and actresses, and even the athletes, but particularly, I'll just bring this up with Sean Connery, you know, these people almost get uh, in your mind's eye, they just seem the same age all the time. Oh, yeah. But they're they're getting older. Next thing you know, they die, like Sean, mm-hmm. Sean Connery. And apparently, um, he was in bad health and in pretty bad mental, mental state for years. Yeah, so he'd kind of disappeared from uh, the public eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think he's just one of those guys. You you feel like we're going to have him forever. Yeah, they're eternal. Like these, yes. these, these the, that, that's they are the ageless. Thing. They're timeless. Uh, yeah, you got that right, man. And and I'm going to tell you what. There's there's at least a couple more of those sort of uh, names and figures on this list. Um, but Mr. Connery, um, we enjoyed having you uh, in the spotlight, and. Um, will be you'll be missed next is brian dennehy and i hesitate to put this on here uh but like i i love this actor i am always going to remember him from tommy boy he played uh tommy boy's father oh yeah and uh him uh working with chris farley in that movie had to have just been a thing to behold um you know chris farley of course uh, has passed away many years ago and that was a um, uh, a dire loss to the world of comedy. Um, 
in film. Uh, but Brian Dennehy died April 15th. He was 81 years old. Kirk Douglas is another one we lost this year. Kirk Douglas is a timeless, yeah, ageless figure. Now, obviously, we know that he's old because his son uh, is probably in Older. his yeah. 80s uh, and not in amazing health but uh i was surprised to see kirk douglas who who played uh, like the original uh spartacus um and those sort of movies like yeah, old black I mean, and white films black and white films that have been um, touched up in color he died <laughs> he died february 5th 103 years old wow well i was gonna say it's a shock you know it's sad that he died but i was surprised he was still living yeah, me too. To, to hear that he died meant that he was still alive right. at some that's point, right. so that's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, uh, so um, the older Mr. Douglas uh, will be missed. Uh, he was a, a screen uh, gem from mm-hmm. decades and decades ago, and uh, his legacy carries on with Michael. Um, next on the list, and again, this is uh, alphabetically, but this is probably one of uh, the deaths that absolutely rocked uh, our American society is uh, that of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She died in September on the 18th, and she was 87 years old. She had been, uh, she, of course, is um, a uh, feminist, very outspoken member of our United States Supreme Court, um, who, uh, as the story goes, held out her position on the Supreme Court until the next Democratic president could be elected. Um, I think that is where most of the the controversy uh, lays with with her death. Um, Of course, I think she had some controversial decisions on the court. I'm not going to go over those now. Um, But the, the... the job to uh, replace her in the Supreme Court is what threw the country into even more chaos and even more controversy um, because, you know, people felt there had been a precedent set um, with the, uh, the ending of the Obama administration and the beginning of the Trump administration. Remember this, Sam? Um, where they, Anthony, tor- they torpedoed well, Merrick Garland. Anthony Scalise had died. Scalise, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, and um, Obama nominated uh, Merrick Garland to replace him, and the Senate decided, um, rightfully so. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it is the Senate's right to vote or not vote on a uh, Supreme Court nominee, right? On any issue, like we're seeing oh, with yeah. the stimulus right so now. So they, they elected to not even vote on that nomination. They waited until the next uh, election was held and until uh, after the inauguration of Donald Trump. Um, and he, of course, nominated someone else. Um, I think it was Neil Gorsuch um, mm-hmm. that wound up being his nominee, correct? Yeah. Um. So anyhow, the current um, Congress felt that that was some sort of precedent set and that following the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we should wait until the results of the next election. Well, the Senate exercised, again, their prerogative 
to vote or not vote on Donald Trump's Supreme Court nomination, Amy Coney, Comey, Amy Coney Barrett. And they did vote on her uh, and approved her nomination, and she is now um, a Supreme Court justice. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, you know, I think she made history, you know, as a, a female on the court, um, and she was a stalwart champion of women's rights. You know, those are things you can't take away from her, and they're inalienable. And I think um, that she was a good judge in that respect. Um, yeah, and I think all those, uh, all of the the justices on the Supreme Court deserve a measurable level of respect. Absolutely, that, that job's hard no matter what. Um, those decisions are not easy; they're all difficult. Um, and it's interesting that she may end up being remembered more for her the timing of her death mm-hmm. uh, than some of these other things. I mean, not probably not, but I mean, it definitely did send ripples throughout that already completely chaotic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> election so cycle. yeah, again, what um, what was the date for her? September eighteenth. So we were already very highly embroiled in the the politics of the next uh, election cycle. Uh, plus all the crap, again, COVID um, piled on top of that. It was awful. Uh, so moving on, Peter Green, um, you may not recognize that name, Sam, but he was the uh, a guitarist and one of the co-founders of Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I everyone did. everyone realized that, recognizes the name Fleetwood he Mac. He recently died, didn't he? Yeah, he was in July, July 25th, okay. 73 years old. Um, but man, it's like... You, you you hear about uh, people like the this dying. That's another ageless, ageless person, timeless. Not maybe, maybe not a person, but the the band, yeah, Stevie, the Nicks. concept, <laughs> their uh, their um, you know discography, if you will, their playlist. You know that's going to go on forever. Yeah, and, and, and uh, their ages, just like with Sean Connery, they're like frozen in those. Yeah, the, exactly. The, you know, Roy Horn. Do you know who that is? Baseball player? Roy Horn is Roy of Siegfried and Roy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he passed away uh, May 8th. He was 75 years old. Um, I thought, uh, was he the one of them that was injured by the Tiger? He's another He's another one of these people I was surprised to learn he was alive. <laughs> I thought that dude was killed by the Tiger. Uh, or not killed by the Tiger, but he expired due to complications of it. Or this. I can't remember, but... I was surprised to, to learn that he's still living, but um, well, we—I think the Las Vegas misses that act. You know, ever since that accident happened, I don't believe they've performed since then. Mm-hmm. They're not well, not with the Tigers, and they may not have performed. I—I I don't remember them being um, on the stage ever since then. But anyhow, moving on. Um, ever hear of Rocky Johnson? Maybe. Yeah, that's uh, he's a Canadian professional wrestler. He's the father of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Ah, oh. uh, he passed away in January. He was seventy five years old, and um, I don't remember hearing about that at the time. I figured, um, you know, as as prominent a figure uh, as Dwayne Johnson is, you know, he probably would have come out with a statement, you know, in in grieving or something, but I didn't remember hearing about this. I just, uh, when, when was that? When did he die? In January, mm. January 15th. Um, 
but I I just saw this come up uh, when I was reading on um, Google these list of famous deaths this year. Um, Terry Jones was uh, part of the Monty Python comedy troupe, and he's actually the director of uh, the majority of their films. He died January twenty first. Uh, he was seventy seven years old. Um, I always loved this dude's name. Um, and I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, but it's Al Kaline or alkaline. I liked it cause it's like alkaline, like a basic yeah. substance, <laughs> the opposite of acidic, <laughs> but Al Kaline, um, he was Mr. Tiger. He played his entire career with the Detroit Tigers. Um, he, uh, played 22 years with them. A uh, member of the Major League Hall of Fame, um, he died in April, uh, April sixth, at the age of eighty-five. Uh, remember John Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, congressperson, U.S. congressperson, um, who was just a, a um, civil rights leader, uh, guy, <clears throat> always, uh, always on stage. It felt like always in front of the TV camera, just hammering away for um the advancement of civil rights um and he made a career of um lawmaking and i think he he was and will always be considered a very highly respected member of the um united states congress yeah can i add one real quick while you're in the middle of doing this because it, sure. it made me think of it because you're doing an alphabetical order right? yeah yeah i might have skipped one of your well this this is another african-american well-known african-american guy and he died of covid herman cain that's right in the summertime that's right yeah, he's a huge name ran for I president totally forgot about uh, that. ceo of godfather pizza mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was kind of controversial yeah um how old was he? Do you remember? He was like 81. I mean, he was older. He was up in years. Yeah. So he's in that uh, age group where if, if one were to uh, catch COVID, you're more likely to die of it. Uh, yeah. So I do remember that was one of the more prominent um, figures to succumb to the disease of COVID. And, um, but John uh, Lewis made me think of that because they were both political. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, Herman Cain didn't have that exact same story you know, of John Lewis's and mm-hmm. he was not actually in Congress, but I mean, he was a pretty notable death and it was actually kind of controversial because they say he wasn't wearing a mask at the rally. And I, yeah. you know, I don't know if you, people listening probably remember. <laughs> We're going to move on to uh, Joe Morgan, part of the um, big red machine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, long time Cincinnati red. I believe he's a hall of famer. Uh, he passed away October 11th at the age of 77 uh, Fred Curley Neal. He was um, one of the Mo Curley. Uh, no, <laughs> not the three kidding. stitches. He was um, a longtime member of the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh. Um, he passed away in March at the age of 77. Uh, here's another sport name that I'm sure, uh, well, I hope you've heard of this guy. You, you weren't into baseball that much, were you? Uh, I was, but, you know, you and I are old age enough differently that a lot of the people that i watched i i mean you know yeah this guy was way way out of baseball by, by the, the time, time you, you would have been okay. in, interested in it i only know of him historically because i uh, played a little more baseball than the rest of you guys but uh phil negro oh, he yeah. was famous for his knuckleball 
like almost no one in the world of pitching baseball can throw a knuckleball. So if you can, you're a standout automatically. Yeah. Did he play for the Braves? Yes. Okay. He, he yeah, spent yeah. almost his entire career with the Braves. Um, I want to say that he played 20-plus years, uh, but I don't know that for certain. But, uh, yeah, he, a famous knuckleballer. Like, and he was an excellent pitcher and had a, a long and fruitful career. Uh, Neil Pert. Um, oh, and I, I forgot. Did I say how old Phil Negro was? 81 years old. Uh, Neil Pert. Uh, was the drummer for Rush. Mm. Uh, he passed away in January. So this, he predated, uh, or his life ended before the coronavirus uh, came to the stage. Uh, but he was only 67 years old. Um, I wonder if you even know who this is by this name. Richard Wayne Pennyman. I'm on it. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> it's Little Richard. Oh, Little, Little Richard. Richard. Um, he died May 9th. Uh, I do not have his uh, age at time of death here. I mean, Little Richard's awesome, but I'm glad, and I'm glad he chose to go by Little Richard. Yeah, Richard Wayne Pennyman. Um, if I had to guess, seventy. Mm. I don't know, um, but no, for some reason, I didn't write his age down. It may not have been provided in the article I read. Regis Philbin. That's another guy that yeah, you thought timeless. we we would have like for eternity, for yeah. and uh, you always remember his jackassery on <laughs> uh, you know that morning show with uh, Regis and Kathy, Regis Lee. and Kathy, and then uh, Kathy Lee, and then he went on to it Who was wants uh, to be a millionaire. No, well then it was Regis and um, Kelly, right? Uh, Kelly Ripa, mm-hmm. and then oh gosh, and he hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, yeah, he. Just a lifetime in, uh, you know, television and uh, just, I think, a real class act. Um, you know, name recognition, face recognition worldwide, I'm sure. Uh, we'll miss the dude. He was 88 years old, died in July. Uh, Kelly Preston is uh, the um, was the wife of John Travolta. Uh, she herself was an actress. Um she died in July um, at the young age of 57. Wow. Um, Kenny Rogers, another just icon. When did he does it, when was, when did he die? You missed that one, didn't you? He I missed was, that. He was in March, March 20th. He was 81 years old. Wow. But, uh, man, that's country music that you and I grew up to. Um, you know, I think mom and dad played a pretty eclectic collection of music right i mean oh yeah we were listening to neil diamond and uh probably like simon and garfunkel and then kenny rogers like all the time all the time kenny rogers christmas uh, music. yeah oh yeah and uh my goodness that guy had a voice um he had that look you know all that the that silver fox look you know that um you know just uh shoulder length hair slicked back uh silver um man we'll miss him um, Gail Sayers, uh, he, he died September 28th this year, 77 years old. And, uh, I had to stop and pause. I, I recognized the name, uh, but it took me a moment to realize 
where he played and what he was most known for. He, he was a running back for uh, the Chicago bears and uh, he had a very short career. He was injured a lot. Uh, but when he was healthy, buddy, he was a powerhouse and uh, it turns out he's the youngest player ever to be inducted into the uh, NFL hall of fame. Uh, wow. He passed away this year. Um, Don Shula, that's a recognizable name in the NFL, right? Absolutely. Uh, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, the still the winningest coach in NFL history. Um, I was kind of surprised to see that because I figured that a guy like Belichick probably, um, you know, risen above him. But uh, and Don Shula is still the only coach to um, to lead a team to an undefeated season in the NFL. That. That uh, that goal is it's unbelievable. No one else has done it to me. You know, I, I I figured this would be something that happens maybe once a decade, but no, it's only happened one time in the entire history of the NFL. Um, he was uh, ninety years old, and he died in May. Remember, Mister Jerry Stiller? Oh yeah, oh yeah. He played uh, uh, Costanza's father on Seinfeld, among many other roles. But uh, that's the one that I think most of us would know him for. That's Ben Stiller's dad. Yeah, that's Ben yeah. Stiller's father. Yes, he passed away um, May eleventh. It says here at the age of ninety-two. I had no idea he was that old. That's that's quite uh, on in years. Um, I see. I've written down. I've made a mistake here. The, so the <laughs> the next name I have, I don't mean to laugh at this guy. This is probably one that I, I really want to um, discuss. Actually, the, I think we, we may come back to him because I, I wrote uh, a snippet about him later on in my notes um, as uh, just a newsworthy event uh, of 2020. But anyhow, the next person on my list is Alex Trebek. Uh, he died November 8th. Of course, everyone knows him as the longtime host of um, the TV game show Jeopardy. Um, a consummate professional, a uh, gentleman from Canada. And he died after what I would consider to be a somewhat long battle with pancreatic cancer. And I say that because I think the, I don't have any numbers, but I, I'm pretty certain that the mortality rate uh, in the first year after diagnosis of pancreatic cancer is quite high. I don't think many people survive more than a couple of years. And he hung in there for over a year and he was relatively healthy. I mean, he continued to work. He recorded, you know, dozens or hundreds of episodes uh, of Jeopardy since his diagnosis. And, you know, he was always, um, at least publicly, he was always very upbeat and positive about um, his diagnosis and his treatment plan. And um, of course, he he had to have known that his leg his legacy will go on forever. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, he will be irreplaceable as the host of that show. Um, I don't think that it it would be so bad as that the show fades into obscurity or even gets canceled. However, it'll never be the same without him. Um, I hear the mistake I was laughing at is I wrote down, he was 33 years old when he died. I think he's 82, 83, 84, something like that. Um, and yes, it, he, um, 
it's amazing to me that he was working the way that he did right up until his death. A very productive guy, you know, actively involved in the writing and production of that show. Uh, I, for one, will certainly miss that guy. Eddie Van Halen died October 6th, uh, 65 years old. Um, he had a um, rather long diagnosis of um, uh, throat cancer. Um, but man, he, I think he turned the guitar world on its ear. <laughs> he, I don't think, so he, he wasn't a uh, classically trained guitarist. Um, he was more in a guitar theory and he just came up with all these wicked ways that you could play a guitar, all these amazing ways that you could assemble an electric guitar so that, so that it would make different noises. Um, just amazing to watch that guy play, you know, in, in live footage. I never had the pleasure of seeing them perform, um, actually in person, but, you know, especially since his death, I've gone back and looked at a lot of the YouTube videos, uh, that are out there and just realize how revolutionary his style of guitar play was. Um, another musician, uh, so we're getting close to the end here, Bill Withers, um, man, I, I am, I was, and I am a huge fan of this guy. He, uh, performed, uh, songs such as lean on me, mm-hmm. just the two of us, uh, ain't no sunshine. Um, and just had a, uh, an amazing voice, uh, for that genre of like early, uh, R and B blues. Um, uh, he, um, He'll be missed, but his voice will go on forever. Forever. Um, Yeah, he's a classic. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to wrap up this list of notable deaths for the year uh, with um, its general, correct? Chuck Yeager. Yeah. Yes, he rose to the rank of general. Um, This one kind of hits home for us living in West Virginia. Because Chuck Yeager is uh, is ours, we could always claim him as ours. Um, you know, you might argue not a lot of good ever comes out of West Virginia, but Chuck Yeager um, uh, came out of West Virginia. He was um, he 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 came up in an era where um, uh, you know the design of uh, jet engines and airplanes was still kind of a novel thing, you know, especially uh, jet-powered planes or rocket-powered aircraft. And he was one of these brave souls that would hop in anything with wings and, you know, just toss caution completely to the wind. You know, these early test pilots. um, They had balls of steel. Oh, my God. I (laughs) mean, thankfully so uh and i know a lot of them sacrificed their lives in the process of furthering our knowledge of aviation but chuck hager uh, he'll go down in history as the first person to fly an aircraft beyond the speed of sound and um he died uh, in early december he was 97 years old yeah it's amazing yeah i his life had to have been rough as a test pilot, right? Yeah, well, those people, like you said, you couldn't award it any better. I mean, those people, because, you know, there's people flying, you know, jets and things now that are 
way faster. Mm-hmm. But back then, the guys they put in those tin cans, they didn't know if it was going to take off or land. Yeah. It was all just a crap uh, Or whether it would explode shoot. midair. I mean, none of this stuff was tested. They were the test subjects. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So I that that's a mind-blowing achievement um, that he did. And he went on to test a number of rockets and a number of jets, but uh, he'll always be remembered for that one flight surpassing the speed of sound. Um, you know, I... I had started to take notes on um, the coronavirus slash the COVID-19 timeline. Wait, can I add one thing oh, in here before you fire did, away? Let me, let me just fire did, away. Did you, did you manage to think this is, this is going to be a joke, but it's also fact. Um, there's uh, several notable births. Oh, sure. I didn't even think of that. Okay. But, um, this isn't awkward, but I wanted to name one that's off the top of my head because uh, you, well, you and I both listen to Joe Rogan, but I happened to listen to the one with Elon Musk, and he had a son born. Oh, my gosh. During called, uh, I, I had to Google this, uh, but Elon Musk had a son named XAEA-12 on, yes. May, on May the 6th. And no, May the fourth, because I remember them saying, "May the fourth be with you." Yes, and the thing is, when uh, the the last episode he recorded with Rogan, he explained how to pronounce. Yeah, I remember that. The kid's name, and um, I can't remember it either. But the A E, I think that is an abbreviation from some kind of aircraft referred to as the Archangel. So they, so I think the X he said was pronounced like she. Yeah, which would be a Chinese way. Yeah, she Archangel something twelve, right? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> he did say how. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember, uh, but no, you're right. Notable so, birth. Yeah, notable birth. <laughs> and I'm sure there's many more. Yeah. Um, any others we can come up with? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure. Um, I was thinking of notable deaths and things, and uh, this is on a. A far larger scale, but anybody that, uh, and I'm just going to say this for anybody that's thinking about it, and I'm sure everybody's thought about it this year, but anybody that's died during COVID and the restrictions, uh, whether it be of COVID or something else, um, they, they, like you said, they're all notable, but you know, want to be with those people, even some of the people that you've named on that list where you couldn't, you couldn't really have a traditional funeral and, um, it's just an odd year for that. Yeah. Uh, dying, dying in general in 2020 is, has been, uh, unique in its own right and somewhat depressing. Um, I concur. Kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And, uh, so I think that's obviously one thing that contributed to, uh, so many people referring to this as the worst year ever. Uh, because you're right when, <clears throat> when we did lose our loved ones, um, we couldn't even bury them in the traditional way. Um, I'll never forget that uh, uh, Megan's grandfather, so her, her mother's father was very ill um, and was hospitalized during the, the COVID pandemic early on, I think it was. And um, no one was even allowed to go and visit him in the hospital. And... Uh, it was just really sad every day. Like they'd have to go to the hospital and look at him through the window. Um, finally he was well enough to be discharged home, but really 
with the expectation that he would die at home. And he did. And um, he was buried in uh, in their family cemetery, you know, with j- basically just family there. Um, Megan and I didn't even go, and we specifically did not go because of concerns for coronavirus. Um, I wish I remembered, uh, you know, the date that he died. But, uh, it was, like I said, I think it was at the the peak of the initial panic when nobody knew anything really about this virus and everyone was panicking about catching it and spreading it. So yeah, we, we distanced ourselves from that and it was sad. It was absolutely terrible. Yeah. I just figured I'd add that in there with, because that's definitely while reviewing the deaths of 2020, that's something that every single person that had someone die had to deal with those sorts of things during this year. Yeah. But that, so what I was beginning to say is I, I, I started to write down and take notes on it, you know, a thorough timeline of the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. I had to stop at the end of January, okay? Because I, <laughs> the, uh, I was looking. I looked at uh, CNN. Uh, I looked at um, USA Today, and then I looked at the uh, Wikipedia entry for COVID nineteen timeline, and there was literally something every freaking day of the calendar. And I just thought like, no, there's, I can't take notes on this. Uh, first of all, like it, it was hard for me to filter through all of it and determine what I felt was relevant and what was irrelevant. Uh, you know, the huge majority of the early timeline I felt was irrelevant because it was all over overseas in China. But, um, I just want to talk about a COVID timeline just kind of unscripted off the cuff. Okay. I, so I remember hearing about this, um, at very early in January, you know, and it came across as news, like, you know, some new virus or some new respiratory illness has been recognized in China. And, you know, at first is like, Oh, wow. You know, what am I supposed to make of that? It's a million miles away from here. You know, who knows, <laughs> I mean, why is that I, even news? I remember that too. My thought was, yeah. oh, it's another one of those viruses that's over in China. And then some more detailed stuff started coming out of China. Like, hey, this, you know, we think this comes from bats. Um, and then everyone took took that and ran with it. They're like, oh, this came from uh, some, soup. some wet market there. I don't even know what a wet market The Wuhan is. wet yeah. market. Yeah, and uh, it's clearly uh, from someone consuming an infected bat. That has since been dispelled, you know, but that, the, the timeline, that's, that's what they said was the origin. And they thought, initially they thought that uh, the transmission from uh, person to person was not possible. Um, we found out that that is indeed possible, person to person transmission. Um, then we, you know, then there was all this discussion like, well, should we shut down the travel from China? And the, the the overwhelming response was no. Why should we? Right. Right. Um, then we started seeing the cases in the U S I think that was maybe late Jan- mid to late January. We saw one come up in Washington state, two, three, four, six come up in Washington state. Um, then you started seeing them in other West coast states. And, um, by February, I think we started putting some travel restrictions, um, on China, you know, flights and uh, 
shipments and whatnot to and from China. Um, and then by early March, things just fell apart here. You know, people, uh, they, <clears throat> they finally had a, an FDA-approved uh, test that we could apply to more people, started diagnosing it in more and more people. And um, I think what I want to point out timeline-wise was uh, in March when we saw all of the um, economic shutdown, the closing of businesses, <clears throat> excuse me, the closing of uh, places of worship, the closing of schools. Um, that response in March was because we were afraid we were going to run out of personal protective equipment and specifically ventilators. Okay. Uh, and it's weird. The ventilator thing was because um, at that time we thought the best treatment for the associated respiratory failure with COVID was to intubate someone and put them on the ventilator. That turned out to be the wrong thing to do because that was effectively a death sentence for someone if they got put on the ventilator. But that's the reason why we feared the shortage of ventilators because we thought that was the definitive treatment. We could just put someone on the ventilator, and let, this thing run it, let this thing run its course, extubate them sometime down the road, they'd be fine. We were way wrong on that. But I want to compare that. So we're going to be – I'm skipping over for a moment some of the events between March and – we'll say, um, you know, September, October. Um, so that initial scare was that we would run out of protective gear like masks and gloves and gowns and face shields and whatnot and ventilators. Now the scare is, so we're kind of seeing another wave of shutdowns and social distance recommendations and mask wearing and all this stuff. Um, now the fear is that we're going to run out of providers and run out of physical space in the hospitals there's so we have plenty of ventilators now we have plenty of protective gear now but the hospitals are so full not necessarily from covid patients but just from other illnesses um people having necessary surgeries traumas whatnot uh hospitals are all running at capacity all over this country and we just don't think we're going to have the providers to take care of them or the physical space in the hospitals to take care of them. Hospitals are in a very unique position, I think. They can't turn people away. Now, some community hospitals can. You know, like if you look at um, like a, a hospital in Boone County, for example, they they have emergency services, but that's about it. You know, they can't do a heart cath. They can't do open heart surgery. They can't do brain surgery. So they can turn a lot of people away, and they're going to turn them away to centers like uh, CAMC in Charleston or Cabell Huntington Hospital or wh whatever it is now, Mountain Health Network, or um, even up to WVU Health uh, in Morgantown. Um, but those places, those referral centers and those tertiary care centers, they cannot turn patients away. So if someone comes to them sick with COVID or sick with the flu, or a gunshot to the head, or, you know, whatever illness they might be seeking medical treatment for, they, they have to be admitted to the hospital. And if you don't have physical space for them, guess what? They're going to sit in a wheelchair out in the hallway somewhere. You know, um, if there's not physical space for someone and you come in with uh, appendicitis, you know, you're going to be admitted to that hospital and you'll sit in a hallway in a wheelchair You'll go back to surgery and have your appendix removed, and then you'll come back and sit in your wheelchair in the hallway Jeez, until you can yeah. be discharged home. That's that's how it works. You can't say, hey, sorry, we're full. Hey, sorry, we don't have the staff. 
people have to be treated and hospitals do the best they can. Mm-hmm. You know, I've recently read an article about a Los Angeles area hospital that's running at 300% capacity. And that's literally the scenario there. They are admitting patients. Uh, they are setting them in the hallways wherever possible. They're setting them uh, in the waiting areas because no one's allowed to come and visit anymore. I mean, just imagine sitting uh, in a hospital in that setting with an IV connected to you, monitors connected to you, you know, and you're just in this wide open space with all these other sick people. You know, there's no private rooms anymore, no one-on-one care. You know, it's all uh, nursing staff that's taking care of, who knows, maybe tens or dozens of, of patients. Well, that's another thing. I mean, what about the actual physicians and the support staff, the medical staff? Yeah. I mean, like there, well, there's ratios that we like to maintain. You know what I mean? Like ideally in the intensive care setting, um, you would be – one-to-one ratio with nurses and patients, or maybe two patients to one nurse maximum. But, you know, in some of these scenarios, you're going to exceed those ratios. And it's Mm -hmm. just because hospitals are obligated to do whatever they can to get someone uh, admitted, taken care of, and discharged. Um, So anyhow, kind of got off track there. That's that's the current state. Uh, We're we're just afraid we're going to run out of hospital capacity. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. two different reasons uh, in this timeline driving – the mitigation measures. Okay. Uh, but so anyways, in, in March we saw, and I remember this stuff vividly. We, uh, here in West Virginia, we saw the shutdown of the entire state of West Virginia. I of course continue to go to work. You of course continue to do some of your mm-hmm. work. I mean, you had to maintain, um, people's, uh, living arrangements at, at your properties. Right. But I, and I still had to go to work. I drove to Charleston every single day and I drove past six or eight of those big electronic signs on I-64 that said, <clears throat> stay at home, order essential travel only. And there were no other cars on the roads. Yeah. So uh, in one sense, it was glorious. It was a very safe <laughs> or felt safe to travel on I-64 with no other cars. And, you know, it was quiet, um, yeah, I, yeah would, I could take my time to get to work. I would you know? say the same thing when I got back into cutting lawns, which I, I mean, it didn't start until you know the normal time that it starts. But that's kind of more of a full time job. But I kind of liked it because uh, there was nobody on the roads mm-hmm. other than like other lawn crew people <clears throat> and very very minimal. Yeah, people right. Were st- people were obeying that generally mm-hmm. speaking. I mean, they really were. early on, yes. Um. There, you know, the um, visitation policy at the hospital was changed. They, they, for initially, they didn't allow any visitors. So, patients that were admitted to the hospital, patients came through for surgery. Um, there was no one with them. <clears throat> now, I thought it was. I felt like that was glorious, because so I didn't have to wade through um, a waiting room. Uh, full of people just to get to my office. You know, the hospital was a ghost town. You know, there's patients in there, but no other non-patients uh, besides the medical staff. Um, you know, um, laws were, uh, temporary laws were enacted um, that allowed for a grace period for renewal of driver's license, renewal of vehicle registrations. Um, oh, speaking of that, yeah. I'm going to interject, you know, um, my wife, you know, being from China, she has a Chinese passport, and it expires in January. 
mm-hmm. but they they require you to renew it six months. You have to renew it six months before the expiration date, and um, that's like a stern thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole you have to go to the embassy, um, depending on what region she lives in, is she has to go to the one in D.C. Oh gosh, it's closed. Yeah, and it's they they did not. There's not even anybody answering the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, that's still in the air. She may not have a passport. And I asked her, and she said that the Chinese government that they may or may not backdate it. They don't have to. So there's no official grace period for that. Exactly. Mm. It's in that interesting. That's crazy. They yeah. have not. They have not instituted. It's still closed. That's something important. <laughs> yeah. But um. Yeah, so um, sorry that I just thought no, that's kind okay. Of interesting. I'm just trying it. to. I'm just trying to off the like I said off the off the cuff off the top of my head here. That, so yeah, you you if your uh, you know vehicle registration or inspection expired during this time, yeah, it was forgiven. You know they they wouldn't enforce those uh, infractions. Uh, when you look at um, my work, so the the maintenance of my uh, certificate in anesthesiology was. Um, all the activities related to that were uh, suspended, you know, so I didn't have to do uh, the requisite um, education this year. Um, although I still did. I mean, I'm just in that mode, but it, had I not done it, it wouldn't have counted against me. Um, to maintain my state medical license, um, I got – so those renew uh, in June uh, every two years for us, and um, – they pushed that all the way out to like the end of September, I think. Um, so I mean, like in my personal life, I, I feel like I had a lot of examples of um, how this coronavirus affected me. Uh, of course, you know, all of us saw the the long lines at the grocery stores, the lack of toilet paper anywhere. For God's sake, um, I remember going to the grocery store and you couldn't find milk or flour or sugar. Um, I think others had experience. Uh, yeah. Oh, the, the cleaning supplies yeah. all gone. I've almost forgot about that. No Clorox wipes. No, I would say that no bleach, no Lysol, you know, nothing. Right. One of the, one of the things this has done, you know, speaking of grocery stores and shopping, I mean, this is basically, I, it's pushed the way that everybody does. And cause I'm, I'm going to tie this into my business. It's, it's, it's made people begin to think outside of the box and do things that we have actually been able to do for a while now, but we've never really thought of it. Or we were just thinking about it, like did shopping online for yeah. your groceries and having somebody deliver. They were already going that way and some people were already doing it, but then this made that become the norm almost if you're able. Correct. And, yeah. and not just in shopping. So like, for the rental property thing that which is a significant amount of my time and uh income i began to record my i if a, if an apartment was empty I, I i went in there and i recorded it i would walk through it and talk about it yeah and then post it on youtube and then and then you know virtual i guess they they, they actually literally call it a virtual tour um and that's brilliant for me because I, I now have that forever. Like I don't have to yeah, do that right. again and again and again, you know, and I, I ended up buying a drone and doing aerial video of it mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which I could have done before, but it, 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 in a weird way, this kind of just kicked everybody and said, Hey, yeah, you know, this is something <clears throat> uh, we can 
we can do better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some people want to shop in person, but I mean, from a time perspective, you know, we each, we each only have so much time on earth. Um, this has kind of made it so we've done been able to do some things that can save us tremendous amounts of time. Yeah. For better or worse, there's been a lot of bad things, obviously, but I would say in a strange way that those are good things. Yeah, absolutely. Those are positives. Yeah, and uh, those are things I'll come... Uh, oh, did I? I? No, I do have a page here uh, for good things that came out of this year, and you would argue that it's good things that came out of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. isn't that interesting? Yeah. But, I mean, they were trending that way anyway. Yeah. But as far as the progression goes... I remember at the very beginning, because my wife, my wife's Chinese, so she was getting chatter from her mom. Over here, we were just getting the news, mm-hmm. which, and I was, um, I said, because I, I had a tenant that, that literally is from Wuhan, and he came back, um, and you've met him, David, uh, <laughs> and he came back in January, and he said, oh, I'm fine, I'm sure, you know, and we didn't have mandatory quarantines and all that stuff then. Yeah. Hell, hell, we didn't even know it, it, it was over here. You know what I mean? But I said in the end of January, short if I owned any stock or whatever, I would short the stock market. And several people told me in January, you think it's that bad? You're crazy. I said, mm-hmm. I'm telling you from what my wife says, China is locked down. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. And then boom. And we went through, in the timeline of things, we went through, don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Oh, yeah. That's, you know. that's what's so annoying to me is that how all the the uh, medical recommendations or the, the, the recommended uh, mitigation uh, measures have just swung back and forth as if they were on a, a clock pendulum. <clears throat> well, you and, and I have talked about this. People, people that are intellectually honest with themselves – know the stuff that makes sense. They don't need a they don't need guidance coming from the C D C or the federal government to know that putting something in front of their face <laughs> or standing further away from somebody you know what I mean? Um so to th- I, my personal belief, I'm gonna throw it out here, to to think that you need some uh official nice official statement to know the right thing to do mm-hmm. is almost ludicrous. Yeah. Well, that's what's what's mind-blowing to me is that uh, so many people argue against wearing a mask. And they say it's just, the science just isn't there. My counter-argument to that is, A, who does it hurt to wear a mask? I don't think there's a high cost to wearing a mask, I guess is what I would say. And B... um have we even had time to observe any scientific data on it? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, and see, I think just by if you, I mean, it's like the meme out there that everyone's seen, I'm sure, where it has these two guys standing opposing each other and uh, they're urinating. Okay. And it says, uh, you know, if, if one, if both people are naked and they start, pissing on each other they're both can get saturated in each other's piss okay if one person's wearing pants they're just going to get saturated in their own piss but the other person's piss is is not going to touch their skin right Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I know it's hard to it's hard to compare like a liquid versus a virus. But anyways, then it says, imagine if both guys are wearing pants, then neither of them get each other's piss on them, right? So, I mean, that's kind of how I would look at the mask wearing thing. Like, if everyone's wearing a mask, then it has to do something, and the cost of wearing that mask is very little, right? I mean, what what's the downside to wearing a mask? Yeah, and I you think, look like an idiot. Well, big fucking so deal. So is everybody like, <laughs> else because everybody's wearing them. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, sometimes your mouth makes you look more like an idiot. <laughs> but you know, so at the beginning, you know, there had to have been an agenda about not wearing a mask because they didn't have enough. You know, yeah. you can you can actually <clears throat> looking back on that kind of stuff. Like if you're looking at the timeline, you can see why that yeah. was what was done. No, you're exactly right. Um, and I think there's very solid. Uh, testimony to that now is that, that they initially recommended against mask wearing because they they felt if they had recommended mask wearing, then we absolutely would have wiped out the supply of masks in the U.S. Mm-hmm. like almost overnight. And I think that's probably true. Uh, there, um, <clears throat> I you just you can't imagine running out of these things at a hospital, right? It's just something you take for granted. Like, oh, when I go to work every day, there's going to be a mask for me to put on. There's going to be a pair of gloves for me to put on for every patient I need to encounter. There's going to be, you know, uh, disinfecting hand soap for me to use whenever I want it. Um, But we got to the point where uh, there was a daily count put on the hospital's website of how many days of protective equipment they had. It would say, like, well, we have – eight days worth of N95 masks in stock. We have three weeks worth of gloves in stock. We have two days worth of uh, protective gowns in stock. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating these numbers. It was that low for us. And like I said, that's something prior to this, you just took it for granted. Like this stuff's going to be on the shelves in in your hospital. Yeah. You know, you could also do a timeline in, which this would be fun to do. You and I talk about this a lot personally, these types of things, not this specifically, but to like on the taxation thing, going back mm. and actually figuring it out. But how, how funny would it be to do the history or the, the, the timeline of the coronavirus through the memes that were being put out? No, go. <laughs> because that, that true, those, how funny they are, they truly mm-hmm. describe some things. So yeah. I, I'm going to add in here about what you're saying, you know, you used to think nothing about going and using the bathroom and taking a handful of toilet paper to wipe your ass. Yeah, right. Well, now it's like you really need to take that one square mm. because John Smith has 300,000 rolls of toilet paper <laughs> in his private residence. Or maybe Denrock does too. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so you, you need to ration that toilet paper. Yeah. Um, but may, that made me think, of all the memes of the toilet paper, all the memes of the people that own Purell wearing gold chains oh, and all that. Yeah. But you know, if you were to, those memes have progressively changed yeah. as mm-hmm. as things have changed, and that would be something fun to look at. You know, go back in our text threads <clears throat> with our buddies and yeah. look at how the memes have changed. Yeah, um, would be funny. You can even talk mm-hmm. about that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, uh, I just, I just can't get over like the, you know, at the very beginning, you know, in the, in the timeline of things, I remember conversations that people were having 
you know, over drinks or, or whatever on the phone, you know, about how we're such a resilient race. You know, we, we're the most advanced that humanity's ever been. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to kick ass. We're going to have a vaccine in two months and we're going to get through this. Yeah. And then you flash forward and we've got a vaccine and, and all I hear people talking about now is how they're not, they don't trust that shit and, yeah. they're, and they're never going to take it. Yeah. And I'm exactly. like, the timeline of events is insane. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing I was going to bring up. And I know I, I'm sorry, I'm skipping around your format. It's okay. Here, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it's absolutely online. okay. This is a, this is actually my format is just this random oh, okay. stream of thoughts. Yeah. Well, I, it, um, but I talked about that in that last podcast I did like just a few days ago. Well, you know, it, when you look at the timeline of it, that's mm-hmm. all in the same timeline. Like if you were to write that out, you could literally write out in the first couple of months, everybody's gung ho about getting a vaccine. And then you get to the 10th or 11th month where we have a vaccine and everybody's gung ho about not taking it. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you showed that to somebody, would they wake up? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think uh, the country, like as one voice back in uh, the early Late spring or early summertime, as one voice, I think the, the the nation unanimously said, "If only we had a vaccine." Yeah, I swear to God, every single person said that. Everybody, and yeah, and here we are. We have one, and there's a lot of doubt about it. A lot of criticism. Um, you know, I. That's good. Yeah, I mean that's that's just another topic of discussion all by itself. I'm I do plan on talking about yeah, it some and more. That is, that's a whole after, podcast after I get my second uh, injection. But I just find the timeline of that interesting because that <clears throat> yeah, would all be yeah. on the progression of the coronavirus. And, yeah. Um, that yeah. And just uh, we'll just rattle off a few more things here that I observed uh, in our community and in our state, and then I do want to just kind of roll along with this, but. Um, you know, we saw, uh, gosh, what was I thinking? Um, well, we saw the closing of um, in-person dining, you know, statewide. And I think this is very commonplace nationwide. But um, I thought it was really cool how, <clears throat> you know, at one point the, the community rose up to, um, you know, show their support to these businesses. And they, you know, purposefully went and got curbside service. Or, mm-hmm. you know, everyone started getting delivery when... You know, like at first, initially, I think people just kind of hunkered down and they were, they just stockpiled food at their house. They cooked for themselves. They never went anywhere. But then slowly people started to say, hey, let's, let's try and keep these businesses afloat. And, uh, you know, there's this whole concept of, uh, hey, if you don't want food from us right now, just buy gift cards, you know, gift cards, put cash in, in their accounts and you can come and get food later on when, when you can actually eat in person. And I know there was a flood of that stuff going on. And I think that did, you know, at the time, you know, maybe uh, make, you know, help some businesses stay afloat. Now that didn't, I don't think that that effort was ever ongoing. It was just kind of a flash in the pan, but I thought that was kind of cool. Um, You know, we saw the closing of schools um, just for the rest of the school year, 2019, 2020. Right, mm-hmm. uh, kids never went back. <clears throat> that kind of messed me up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. That. Now you know we've migrated to this system in West Virginia where every county is assigned a color based on the the positivity rate. So that's like how many tests did you have 
during this week or during this day or whatever the time frame is and how many of those tests were positive. I, it doesn't indicate anything, honestly. I, yeah, the, I, I don't really see the rationale behind that, but whatever. You have to have a number, I guess. And so this color-coding scheme for the counties in West Virginia is driving whether you can have um, in-person school or you have to do distance learning. It's driving whether we can have um, visitors in a hospital or not have visitors in a hospital. It's driving whether we can have elective surgeries or not elective surgeries in a hospital. It's it's weird. Um, And, you know, we've... We've put out uh, another coronavirus uh, relief. Well, actually, I should put that in the the initial timeline. Um, there's a COVID uh, relief package. I want to say March. Well, no, I want to say well, it was talked about in March because that's when all the economic impact started. Um, oh, it was April fifteenth. Yeah, I was going to say is maybe uh, April May, but anyways, it's the uh, cares <clears throat> act. cares act. So. That provided uh, qualifying individuals with a twelve hundred dollar check, you know, stimulus check. So that's become part of our vernacular now, stimulus check. Um, When's the next one coming? Yeah, there it provided um, it provided very low interest, uh, in some instances zero interest loans to businesses in uh, what was referred to as the payroll protection plan. Plan, yeah, PPP payroll protection plan. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, depending on the size of your company, how many employees, I think what's your, uh, you know, gross revenue was something like that. They would calculate, well, here's how much money you can borrow. And I think in many cases, if that money passed straight through the corporation onto the employees in the form of compensation, then you didn't have to pay any of it back. And I know a lot of people took, a lot of businesses took advantage of that. Um, and now we're looking at uh, a second stimulus package. You know, this time, I think the one that they've signed off on, although this is still being contested, I guess, the one they've signed off on so far provides $600 stimulus checks to those who qualify. Um, you know, that, like I said, this is a topic, like we could talk hours just on this this. Uh, the idea of a stimulus. Um, I somewhat agreed with the uh, initial stimulus package because that was effectively a, a federal shutdown, you know, a nationwide shutdown that was, I don't want to say it was mandated by the federal government, but it was almost, it was directed by the yeah, federal government. And it right? was unanimous across yeah. the board. <clears throat> now, the shutdown of the economy is up to the states. And I would say that if there are people in uh, having a economic strife, it should be up to the states to bail them out. Does that make sense? I mean, I like, so the people, yeah. so the people that are shut down the tightest, say California and New York, are the ones that are suffering the most economically, right? Well, it's already been proven that they they are the majority of the recipients of the current unemployment yeah. benefits. And um, but then there's states like uh, Florida, who I think has remained open in large part throughout all of this. They're doing relatively fine. I think one of the Dakotas is another case study. Mm-hmm. They've stayed open virtually this whole time, and they're doing okay. 
So I would argue like on the on the federal level, why should the taxpayers of these states that are not shut down, why should they have any burden placed on them in propping up these other states that have shut down? Yeah. And then I would I would argue that in the case of New York and California, the places who, by the way, are have been shut down the longest, they also have the highest tax rates of any of the states in this union. So they should have had the largest revenues prior to the economic shutdown, right? Um, and if they had spent the money wisely, they arguably could have had the largest uh, state budget surpluses. But hell no. They spent the shit out of their tax money. That's why they continue to tax the shit out of their residents. You know, so like, why why should I be bailing them out? You know, it, and I know that's a, uh, you're being... I guess uh, facetious or whatever, but like the, you shouldn't. I mean, we we should not be. That's not the purpose of the federal government. But we could go and and, the, and this seems to be a catchphrase specifically for your podcast, and it has been since the first one I've ever done with you. But uh, going down that rabbit hole, we could we could <laughs> we could talk about this for eternity because that's the conundrum I think that we that our senators and things are in is that it's not correct to be doing that yeah like as much as you might want to it's not appropriate it's not uh it's not the function of the federal government um you know once you start doing that which unfortunately we've already started doing that it's a slippery slope and you get further into quote socialism um Mm -hmm. and I, i think you know i think that's kind of the the issue because you've got all these other people you you would like to think that if you didn't pass this kind of stimulus in in the way that you're describing it then maybe california and new york would get the hint and say oh well maybe we could loosen things a little bit and bring in some revenue yeah and, well, and be able to pay these people ourselves but instead you're you're almost enabling them like a drug addict and you're saying, oh, do whatever you want. You know, you're fine. Yeah, we'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, is that, that's the fundamental question throughout all of this. Is that the the right thing to do? You know, I don't know. I, I think that at this point, I'm more leaning, and you know me, I'm very conservative, um, but I'm leaning towards, I'm about to just throw all of that kind of stuff out the window, my thoughts on how it should function until a vaccine. So like once a vaccine is readily available to everybody Mm -hmm. and everybody has the choice to say yes or no, the second that is available, like the flu vaccine is available to everybody. Mm -hmm. The second that's available, then if I were the federal government, I'd say, okay, we're done. Yeah. You know, like, it, 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 I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, on one hand, it does. On, on the other hand, it, it's it's a slippery slope. It, it is. So it truly is. It sounds like you're in favor of like a somewhat mandatory vaccine. No, I don't want to. No, I want the vaccine to be available. Yeah. The second it's available. Like right now, it's not available to me. I cannot go get yeah. it. Yeah, well, you're you're right. So the second I'm able to get it. And I have the choice myself. Yeah. So you're not saying that uh, relief should be linked to whether you no not, not whether you receive it, whether it's available. The okay. second the vaccine is available to everybody. Yeah, because like I, I think I made clear in that 
last podcast, like I, I do not advocate mandatory. Yeah, no, me neither do I. And because I think basically what I'm saying is just like the flu vaccine, it's available to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's out there to get. Yeah. So the second it's out there, let's say that's June and the federal government comes out and says, okay, all the doses are in place for anybody to get it. If you haven't gotten it, that's on you. That's your individual choice. But now that that's the case, you can't say it's our fault. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. And now that it, if you don't take it and, um, okay, we're not, we're no longer, we're no longer supplying unemployment benefits. We're no longer, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's uh business as usual. Mm-hmm. Not, not, yeah. not you have to take it and you get on a list. It's just, it's out there now. Yeah. There's no qualms. You can't, there's no dispute that it's available to you. Yeah. You know, that's what I think they should do, but <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, we'll see where this coronavirus stuff goes. Um, uh, you know, as we go on into 2021, it's definitely not I know anywhere. This is a year in review. Yeah. It's, podcast, it's definitely but, not anywhere near over oh, with, no. Um, no, we're not. but, uh, I'm going to move on past, uh, the COVID nonsense, uh, actually spend a little more time on that than I had planned to. And just go on and talk about some notable uh, slash newsworthy events of 2019. And I believe that these are in chronological order. That makes it a little easier. Although I didn't put any dates with these. Um, But we open up with uh, the Australian wildfires. And um, I do remember this. I always remember when there's wildfires because it always brings up the talk of – climate change and you know whether we should be doing something to affect the climate change to try and reel it back in and for me that's a highly controversial topic but anyways the numbers that i saw doing my research is that 47 million acres uh, or more were affected by the wildfires in australia and that's like i can't even imagine that i mean yeah i don't have any grasp on that i live on uh 30 some you know with in sight, you know, the adjacent properties, you know, maybe 300, 400 acres, um, 47 million acres. Um, I was surprised to learn that, uh, they've, they only attributed 34 deaths to that wildfire situation over there. It sounds like as widespread as that was, the death toll would have been much larger. Um, Next in line is, and I have to laugh at this, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle, what are they, the Duke and the Duchess of uh, Sussex, they <laughs> they decided to leave England and uh, step down in their roles as senior members of the royal family. I have to ask myself, is this, does this impact my life whatsoever? Uh, the answer is no. However, I find the whole concept of that interesting. These are people who, um, you know, these royals, I don't think they have such a huge role in policy or, or governance any longer. You know, that's all done by parliament. Um, monarchy is just a, it's just a title now, I think. Although they still collect some tax money, right? Yeah. I think, um, I mean, they have to stay rich and entitled somehow, right? <laughs> but anyhow, um, 
I very much respect their decision to do that because they're probably sick and freaking tired of having cameras in their face all the time and like, whoa, you know, what what color dress is she going to wear for this occasion? What color fucking hat is she going to wear to this thing? Like, you know, like, oh, how, how well trimmed is Prince Harry's beard? You know, it's just nonsense the way they treat those people and the, they're always in the spotlight. Like, I hope that they can get away from that and that they can re they can live yeah I, a reasonable life I could, going forward i can't even imagine that being born into that you don't have a yeah. choice and that's what but i i also think with the world being as flat i don't know who coined this term but i read it many years ago flat meaning connected like yeah we're not so anyway mm-hmm. the world being as connected as it is now and um i i think that being a royal in the UK will not mean quite as much after Queen Elizabeth passes away. I think she's the last. You're probably right. I think when she passes away, yeah, they'll still be there, but they're not going to have the same yeah. oomph. But I, but as far as that goes, that that was that was somewhat that was almost more significant news than the wildfires. <laughs> well, to some people, yeah, to the uh, the royal watchers. Oh, yeah. Um, Moving on, uh, there's the whole topic of COVID-19 is next in the timeline. <laughs> We're just going to leave it at that. Then there was the Trump impeachment. Yeah. Trump was impeached. And um, I believe, or at least I hope, that the country learned something about this legal process of impeachment. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I think the common misconception was that if you get impeached, you're out. Um. I, I think the country learned that that's not true. Impeachment is an indictment of a federal, uh, an elected federal official. Correct. Yep. So if you're if you're just a Joe Schmo, you know, non-president, <laughs> and you're indicted, that just means you you then go to trial, right? Yeah. The indictment doesn't put you in jail or get you you know, fired from your job. Yeah, it doesn't convict you. Right. Yes. It's so impeachment equals indictment at this, this presidential level. Yeah. I think that's the best way to word it. Yeah. So then that just meant that he had to go and have, he was put on trial. The impeachment meant that the Senate had to have a trial, uh, whether or not to convict him of this, the crimes laid out in the indictment. Um, I'm, I don't want to hash out the whole pro, the, what the results. I mean, everyone knows what the results were, but I think, and, and like I said, I hope that the country learned a bit more about this the process that that we have to um, get rid of bad government officials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think as a as a Republican, as a Trump supporter, as a conservative person, I'm glad that the the thing played out the way that it did um if i were a democrat or a trump hater or a very liberal person uh, someone who wanted him out of office i think i would be very angry at the process i would be very angry at the congress because i think they charged him with the wrong things i think what they charged him with could not be proven in a court of law that's just my opinion because what was he charged with? Like um, 
spy is spying on Joe Biden by I think it was obstruction. Well, yeah, it was obstruction. So, yes, technically the the charges were obstruction of Congress, right? Yeah. And what the hell is that even? I never understood that charge because guess what? I think the day-to-day operation of Congress is obstruction of Congress, right? Their, their whole existence is to block the passage of bills and legislation, right? Um, but no, so that obstruction of Congress, and then what was the – there was um, – Con- Conduct some, unbecoming. Yeah, so I was going to say – that's exactly what I was going to say. Something to that effect, conduct uh, unbecoming a president. So, Yeah, so the, these are two – counts two charges that are not provable one is so ambiguous like yes what is that? absolutely like what? so i think if i was a liberal person if i was a democrat i would be furious at those um congress people that came up with this shit and even put it out there they'd say like no you needed to um indict him on very specific charges right and they didn't so i i think you know if you look at it that way the democrats dropped the ball but but if you're a Republican, it couldn't have had a more glorious outcome. I just wish it never happened in the first place because it was a waste of fucking time. And I feel like the whole Trump presidency was a waste of time because of this issue looming over his head the whole time. They they wanted to impeach him uh, since before he was elected. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'll say about that. Um, the uh, the next item, and I just have to laugh at this because. Seeing this guy fall from grace has just been glorious. It's <laughs> Harvey Weinstein oh, guilty verdict. <laughs> so this is the guy that sparked the whole uh, Me Too movement. I think it began with the Harvey Weinstein, mm. Weinstein uh, accusations. And basically this guy was, uh, uh, well, I guess it's proven fact now. Uh, he was a uh, scumbag that, Chain uh, exchanged uh, sex acts for uh, roles, roles in, in uh, roles in major motion pictures, um, and he denied people uh, roles. Yeah, for, for yeah, for exactly. I mean, so, um, and then if that guy, if you look at him, you know, oh god, before his indictment, and then after his conviction, it looks like he's aged a hundred years. Well, he's in a wheelchair. Yeah, now. exactly. He's yeah. Going, he'll die in prison or whatever. He or maybe he's not even be in prison. He'll probably get out, you know, for some health reason, whatever. But well, speaking of that, I got it because this happened in 2020, mm-hmm. and it it blows my mind. Um, another prominent, famous. I guess they're famous because of their conviction, but they were pretty famous prior to. But Bernie Madoff. <laughs> in 2020 requested to be released because he didn't want to die or I can't remember. He was yeah. Ill, Ill or something. And my whole logic is, and you know, I'm sorry, it sucks to die in prison. I'm sure. But they gave you a damn death sentence, buddy. They sentenced you to <laughs> 200 and some years. Did you, did you, did you think, did yeah. you think you were going to die outside of jail? Did you think you were going to make it out? Like, I can't believe that somebody like that would ask to get yeah. out over yeah. something. It's like, no, I think the intent in your sentencing was that for whatever you die of, you're going to die in jail. Yeah, right. Anyway, that was that was in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, uh, the stock market crash of 2020. Um, on March 9th, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, fell by the um, highest single-day point differential ever. 
2013 points. I don't have the raw numbers like where it started, where it ended. Um, but over 2000 points in one day, that was bad. And then I think day after day after day, it was drops of around a thousand or 1500. Right. I mean, it, it, it was looking like it was spiraling out of control. Um, and that's when they started to do the CARES Act. Yeah. Then we move on to uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, or the BLM protests. Um, you know, I don't want to talk a whole lot about this, not because I don't care about it, but just because, like, this is such a hot-button, controversial topic. Um, but the, you know, when I, when I read, uh, I believe this is from a, a USA Today article, this whole notable events, um, these these protests and riots were all sparked by the police-involved deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, uh, and again uh, with the shooting of Jacob Blake, who who survived the shooting, but he was permanently paralyzed. Um, you know, just the the outcry for justice uh, was deafening. Uh, that's for certain. Um, and you know, I wish that things like this didn't happen in our, in our country or anywhere on the planet. Um, my only issue with this is, um, why did the, why did there have to be riots? Why did there have to be widespread destruction of property, burning buildings to the ground? looting and stealing. Um, I just don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm sure that people feel like they're just at the end of their rope. Um, that that's the only way they can have their voice heard. You know, but I think unfortunately gone are the days of the peaceful protest, you know, the, the sit-ins stuff like that, that happened during the civil rights era. And I think it's just, it's very unfortunate that um, things have come to this. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, I mean, do you have any comments on that? I know it's 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 hard to talk about. It's a hot button well, topic. I, I, yeah, um, I mean, it is hot button. I, I want to say the one, the, the main one, although maybe Breonna Taylor, I can't remember the time frame, but the, the uh, she may, her death may have happened before this or, or not. I don't remember, but. But George Floyd's death, like that, that was the first time that I know in my life that everybody, it was not political. Everybody was in agreement that that guy. No, you're right. There were, this was not politicized at all. Yeah. It somehow became, I mean, like it just, it, it almost feels like it was wasted. Yeah. Because of the rioting and things like that, yeah. because then it got people like, you know, up in arms about that. But there are definite issues that need to be worked on and continue need to yeah. be worked on. Um, but I, but I think you're right about like the gone are the days of peaceful protesting. And I think one of the reasons for that is this need to record everything mm. and put it on social mm. media. And you, you can't, you can't, record. No, everything you is can't, viral. You can't, you can't record and get viral videos of peaceful protesting. It's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, so, I think so you're right. That is going to inherently promote violent acts. Yeah, constantly. Oh well, those are the things that go viral. You're absolutely right. And I, yeah, so I think we're we're that's you're right. That's never we're never going yeah. back to peaceful. It's just not going to happen. Do you remember that there were rumors of Kim Jong Un's death? Yes, in I 2020. Do <laughs> And uh, the way I remember it, uh, you know, they even talked about who was going to be his successor, his uh, his sister, or uh, whatever. Like, I don't know. That's just laughable. That he was like in a resort town for like. Yeah, it was. It's just laughable that news coming out of that part of the world, like in a country that's geographically isolated, politically isolated, you, you don't know how to process it, right? Um. But I just thought that was laughable. That was one of the things that came up on the radar. Here I am talking about how connected we all are, but yet whatever comes out of North Korea, nobody knows what in the hell is going on. That's right. Um, Then uh, Joe Biden nominated for a Democratic presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. Clean bill of health there. I just want to say, at the beginning of 2020, did anyone see that happening? I don't think a single person on this planet saw that happening. No, I mean, I thought that after the results of Super Thursday, I mean, uh, Super Tuesday, <laughs> that we would, we would have... Uh, oh, you know the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I know we're ragging on, but no. My point is, no. Yeah, no, uh, I think that... I mean, oh my gosh, you look at all the other candidates that had uh, built up some steam early on... Um, no, I Joe Biden. Hell, that was before I knew about all this baggage with Hunter Biden. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm serious, like exactly. it's, it's mind blowing. Vanessa, he he won the uh, Democratic nomination. He chose uh, Kamala Harris uh, as his vice presidential candidate. She is, by the way, the first black and first black first black female and first Asian female. <laughs> vice presidential uh, nominee um joe biden is elected president and then i also wrote this down here i think this falls in well he's the first um, uh, dementia nominee isn't he <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are getting out of order now, I, so I, I, I apologize i keep so. making fun of joe joe no, biden. so I, uh, joe biden elected president uh amidst some very thick controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, I think, a rather large legal battle, or a lot of a lot of suits filed. Yeah, and I think none of these really went to trial. Uh, the, as far as I understand it, you know, they just didn't have standing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, everyone's out there with. Uh, first, believe me, I wish the outcome of the election were different. I honestly do, but I just don't think, you know, even if there were uh, some instances of voting irregularity, voting fraud, whatever, uh, it seems to me that although it's concerning, don't get me wrong, but it seems to me that it's, it's not enough to overturn the election. It seems like it's just small instances here and there. And I think if even if you added up the sum total of these, you know, alleged 
votes, uh, irregular votes, it's not enough to overturn the results. I, that's yeah. the that's the impression I get from all this. I'm I'm with you. Like I um, I think it's believable that Trump lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, and this I, I argue this with a lot of my friends. Anyone that's listening to this, it's made it this far into this podcast. It's hurt some of my previous podcasts. You know, I do, I do like Trump. I think he he did some some great things, but I was also I've also been critical of his um, personality. Yeah. While I like the personality, it is one that can rub many people the wrong way. And mm-hmm. so it's believable that the down ticket people still won and he didn't because people were, they, they, they didn't like that. First of all, they didn't like that. He was constantly in the news. They were mm-hmm. getting sick of hearing the same crap all the time. They just wanted it to be turned off. How do you do that? You vote against him. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the personality thing. So, um, also Trump, said something just a couple of days ago that, and I can I'm probably going to mess this up, but he just said, you know, I don't know why people, you know, all the things that I've actually done, if people knew what I've really done for this country, he goes, I guess he said this, I, cause it's on record, mm-hmm. but he didn't tweet it. He says, I guess they just didn't like my personality. And I mean, that's, that's, I, that's, that's what I think it boiled down to. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting yeah, contested thing. I don't, you know. Yeah, is there shenanigans? There always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's just things to think about um, with elections in the future. I, I hate to say it, but I think it ju- it just calls into question the whole election process. They when, have to be in person. When I think that we need to have absolute confidence in this system, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and it has to be voting in person. It has to be. And it has to be run by the individual states. See, I've heard a lot of outcry. People say it needs to be uniform. It needs to be run by the feds. I think that's the wrong answer because if everyone does things the same way and if it's all run by the feds, then how easy would it be for that to become adulterated? The way it is now, it's so there's 50 different election systems out there, mm-hmm. 50 different sets of rules. It would take... 50 different processes to adulterate the vote. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It becomes way more complicated to fix the vote. But if it all, if it's all federal controlled, all going through one filter, you better believe they can do whatever the hell they want with it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think the way that it goes down now is fine. The way that it's controlled by the States. But I do believe that, um, you know, when possible, it needs to be in-person voting. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I think... You know, there are those that have to have their vo- their voices heard. They, they have to cast their votes, and they cannot go in person. You know, specifically, like, those who are deployed overseas uh, in the military, um, citizens that live abroad for whatever reason, uh, people who are physically unable to go due to illness or injury. Um, well, you know, our brother, um, Ben, told me to watch... The National Geographic called uh, India from Above or something. I mean, they got all kinds of them, but it's on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And he said, watch it. There's a thing in there that's very interesting on how India does its voting. India is the largest democracy in the world. Yes. Have, did you, have you seen it? No, I haven't do seen you, the do show. Do you know how they do it? 
I don't know. It's very, it's very fascinating. No, I have no idea. It, it, it eliminates. So like, it's so simple. It'll, it, it has to be in person, first of all. But like you said, there's exceptions, but I mean, let's just say in general, yeah, has to be in person. Um, this does not, you don't have to have an ID. It eliminates the voter ID issue that all these states mm-hmm. have. What you do is you go and you cast your vote and you, you dip your hand in an indelible ink. Oh yeah. Well that so that's how some of these other Arabic countries have been doing yeah, it. What, you know, and so it does several things. First of all, you can't vote twice. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to show an ID to do it. Yeah. You just do it and you can't do it again. And then, um, and it's a badge of honor. Yes, absolutely. You go no, around I, and you can see you, you flaunt it. I voted today, and and it doesn't wash. Yeah, off well, remember like when uh, was it Iraq or oh, uh, it is Iraq, Iran or something that uh, you know you dip one of your fingers, like maybe your index finger or something, in the blue ink or purple ink. And I, I remember seeing we had all these great photographs of people coming out voting for the very first time ever, and they're just holding this finger up in the air. Yeah, and so I mean. I hate to say it, but do we need to be taking clues from Iraq who we're trying to, you know, so it's, yeah, maybe there's some things, maybe you still would need to show the ID. I don't know, maybe because you could probably go get just anybody to go in there and vote. But the thing is, is that's a fairly simple solution. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very simple. That's very uncomplicated. Uh, Well, let's move on. Um do you remember the explosion that happened in the uh, port of Beirut? Yes. That was in 2020. Gosh. Um, I just, uh, the notes I have, it killed uh, at least 190 people, injuring thousands. That would be, in a and, normal year, would be the biggest story of the year. That was huge. And I want you to listen to this. This was blamed on the accidental detonation of ammonium nitrate. 2,750 tons of it. 2,750 tons. Now, you know, that was the compound, I believe, that was used in um, the Oklahoma City bombing. You know, there's... uh, um, What's his face? Timothy McVeigh. McVeigh filled, like, a box truck up with it. How much do you think he could have fit in there? Not even Not a ton. Not even a ton. Not yeah. even a ton. Quarter of a ton, maybe. And it almost leveled that entire building. 2,750 tons of this shit went up in Beirut. Like, and if you saw the footage of it, it had, like, the, the, the characteristic appearance of, like, a nuclear detonation. Did it not? I mean, it had the mushroom cloud. Oh, yeah. It I mean, had this shock wave that propagated halfway through that city. Um, that was amazing. Yeah, and I, that's what I was saying. I think if this wasn't a COVID year, that's that would be one of the top stories of 2020 because yeah. that was it would still be getting reported on. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, I don't. How does that even accidentally detonate? You, you wonder. <laughs> I you know. have no idea. Um, I think there are. Probably still those who think that this was some act of uh, terrorism or something. Uh, but moving on, of course, we had our own uh, West Coast wildfires, as, like we always do every year. We touched on this a tiny bit earlier. There was the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the subsequent nomination and confirmation 
of uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Um, President Trump tested positive for COVID. You remember that? Oh, yeah. That seems like it was just a flash in a pan. And I think it was just a flash in the pan. Uh, but it got some coverage for a couple of reasons. First of all, how quickly he so he was in the hospital for a couple of days. Uh, so to how quickly he recovered from it. And then his sh- freaking shenanigans during the whole thing. You know, he gets in a secret service car. <laughs> he like commandeers a secret service vehicle, goes out and takes a tour of D.C. Apparently, like, uh, you know, just to show people he's still alive. I, I mean, heard I he, can. Oh, go ahead. Well, I heard that he went out and got a couple McRibs, <laughs> which is what he was going to get some McRibs. I'm sorry. No, but I can absolutely see the uh, merits of doing that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you want people to know that you're fine. I mean, you're the leader of the greatest country in the world, and you, you don't want all of your citizens to think, oh, my gosh, what's going on with him? <laughs> you know, here, here's how things have changed in this country, you know. If this same art, if articles had been written about this same event in the 1940s, they would be colorful and yeah. so nice. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. You know, like, you know, they hid the fact that uh, Roosevelt was in a freaking <clears throat> wheelchair and used yeah. crutches. But Trump goes out and tries to show, you know, he's still strong and everything and he's the leader of the free world. And it's how dare he? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, the next on my list is the death of Alex Trebek. So we've already mentioned him in the mm-hmm. list of notice, not, notable deaths. Um, but the discussion here is who's going to replace him? Have you read any of these? I heard that the guy that won, like the the longest, the the winning streak guy, was one of them yeah. So Ken Jennings uh, has been selected to be the first guest host. So what I understand from reading articles about this uh, is that the uh, producers want to go through a series of guest hosts before they uh, come up with a permanent host. So Ken Jennings is that first guest host. And mm-hmm. yes, he's the guy who had the longest winning streak slash highest dollar amount won uh, from Jeopardy. I mean, the guy's the guy beat Watson, the computer, right? Yeah. I, I think he did. Yeah, he did win that that contest, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, amazing brain in that guy. Um, I don't even know what makes him tick, but anyways, he's so he's going to be a guest host. Um, I don't think they've even begun filming for the next season yet, as far as I understand. But I went to two different websites. I went to, um, regrettably, I looked at the Today Show website because they had an article on it, and I I fucking hate the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it just came up on the radar whatever i also looked at cbs news uh, these were the top two articles when i googled this according to the today show uh you know prominent uh journalisming <laughs> source of news uh that it is here are the people who are in the running for um to be the permanent host of jeopardy <laughs> I feel like I'm wheezing. Okay, it's gone. Uh, Tom Bergeron. <laughs> the, the guy from America's Funniest Videos. And yeah. Host of uh, freaking um, uh, Dancing with the Stars. 
Okay, that's a negative. Yeah, I mean, like you're thinking it's going to be someone on par with Alex Trebek, right? Uh, yeah. The guy's a clown. Tom Bergeron. Yeah, Jeopardy's not yeah. like a... Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is Alex Faust. I'm not really familiar with that guy, but apparently he's an NBC sports analyst. Probably not a great choice. LeVar Burton. Okay, now here I think is when we start getting serious. LeVar Burton. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Oh, so he's this black guy that played... Um, uh, I can't remember his uh, character's name on Star Trek The Next Generation, but he was the blind guy that had the little visor. Oh, um, yeah, okay. I can't remember his name in that, his character's name, though. Um, but he's just, he's a very, he's a, he's got an incredible voice, an incredible speaking voice. Um, he's, I think he's highly intelligent. And he does other things like, um, he does all these reading programs for kids. And uh, I do think he does uh, some kind of trivia show, some obscure trivia show on some network. Um, Laura Coates is the next, and she's a CNN legal analyst. And she's, I think she's a heavy hitter. She's a serious person. Now here's when we start to deteriorate into absolute fucking nonsense from the today show they suggest that anderson cooper should be the next host of jeopardy i'm sorry but no um i hate to say it but i kind of take him to be like an idiot you know i wasn't gonna say that but no he just doesn't rise to the level of alex trebek to me whatsoever yes he's been a staple at CNN forever. You know, he's risen to the top. He's, he's climbed the ranks. He has white hair. Yeah, but no. And then they, they list lastly, Betty white. How old is she? A hundred some years. Now she is a highly revered person. Everyone loves Betty white. She's another one of these people that we think we're going to have forever. She's ageless. She's timeless. But as a host of jeopardy, I'm sorry. Let's move on to the list from um, CBS News. And um, there are some very laughable names in this one as well. (laughs) CBS News suggests first that Ken Jennings should be the permanent uh, replacement Alex Trebek. Now, I could go for that. uh, Next, they say George Stephanopoulos. Uh, I'm sorry, but no. No, jackass. Um. LeVar Burton is on this list again. This next one I love. I love. I don't know if you've ever listened to this guy or watched his YouTube channel at all. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, I know. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, he's the guy that does the show The Cosmos. Uh, and he's, um, you know, he's he's an African-American guy. He's very, very well-spoken. Highly, highly intelligent. He's like an astrophysicist. Uh, and he just talks about all this planetary stuff. He knows. I've seen that. Yeah. Show. He's awesome. And, and he's like an intellectual in general. And I think, and he's got a voice. His voice is incredible for radio and for television. Um, I think he, out of all these names could probably pull it off the best, even better than Ken Jennings. You know, I don't know whether 
uh, Neil Tyson would win as much as Ken Jennings. Cause like I said, I think Ken Jennings is a robot of some, <laughs> of some sort, but uh, Neil Tyson, I think would be an amazing replacement for um, Oxter Beck. And I'm willing to bet that he would take that on very proudly uh, and do, do a great job. Um, after that, that now, now we start to fall apart again. Pat Sajak, the 30 plus year host of freaking wheel of fortune. No, I'm sorry. That just doesn't work as a host of jeopardy. Ryan Seacrest. What? Yeah, no, I'm serious. This just starts to deteriorate. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Okay, wait, who, which, Jimmy who, fucking Kimmel, the guy. This, article? No, this is from CBS News. Jimmy Kimmel, who you know rose to fame having uh, girls with big tits bounce on a trampoline on his man show, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Katie Couric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Steve Harvey. <laughs> Oh, my God. Dude, I'm not shitting you. This is for real. Uh, Drew Carey. Okay, now, I think... He, actually, he is... a smart guy. No, yeah. Drew Carey's done well on The Price is Right, but I just... I don't think that he is the guy. Jeopardy's different than to, those shows. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely. Uh Joe Rogan actually made the list. Now, I like Joe Rogan. Love his podcast. He's an intellectual. So I think he's learned a lot through his podcasts. That's for certain. Um, but I just but don't. I, I don't think he rises to no, that level of Jeopardy. Jeopardy. No, 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 no. I love the guy. Love his show. Um, they've put in uh, James Holzhauer. So he's like the second most winningest. Uh, or maybe I should have looked this up. I should have researched this some more. I actually think that James might have won more money, but he didn't have the consecutive. No, but he didn't have the number of days. Yeah, the uh, streak. Whatever. But anyways, James Holzhauer won like a thousand million dollars from Jeopardy. It's crazy. Um, and then believe it or not, this I am not making this shit up, Sam. CBS News has put forth Donald Trump. As a replacement for Alex Trebek. Okay, so basically every oh, name that you've read me no. is a joke. No, like if well, they threw so that in there, Ken the Jennings is fine. Is Ken Jennings is fine. Like I said, LeVar Burton's fine. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I think, is the best name on this list. Uh, and then James Holzhauer, just because he he's a staple. Like People watch Jeopardy the most, I think, when he was... A contestant. They watched it even more than they did when Ken Jennings was a contestant. Wow! Just because James Holtower, he's this—he's a gambler. He's a professional gambler. That's his trade. Like he plays poker or right. something. And but he knows all this trivia, and so he—I think he approached the game as a poker player. Like every time he hit a, a daily double, he doubled down every single time. And the thing is, like he was. He was so good at it. Like by the time he, he was good at the game part. Yes. Yeah, so, but, but it was amazing to watch him play. Like by the time he found the daily double, he already had like 
twenty thousand dollars. So he every time he'd be like, "True daily double," which has become like the the thing to say now. So then he's at forty thousand. Then like in double jeopardy, he's like he finds it again. He's like, "True daily double." So he's at eighty thousand. Like so, you know what I'm saying? Like he was a gambler when he played it. Yeah. Whereas Ken Jennings might go a thousand. Yeah. Well, I think I think Ken Jennings had a strategy too, but I I don't think he was doubling down as often as James Holsauer. Uh, but no, that's why I say he would be a popular one. But uh, give me a break. Fucking Jimmy Kimmel, Katie Carrick, Pat Sajak, Ryan Was Seacrest. Donald Trump really on I'm there? dead serious. See, that like, makes why me would think I make that, that the up? whole list that they gave is garbage. It, well, it is, largely. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to wrap this up. The... <laughs> The notable events uh, of 2020, with uh, so then we have the, we have uh, the vaccine for COVID 19 rollout. We've already touched on that a little bit. Uh, the 2020 election, we've talked about that some. COVID relief legislation parts one and two, we've already touched on that. And then I had to add this: this did not come up in the um, Google search because it just happened. The bombing in Nashville. Oh God! And I think some news about that is still going to be uh, forthcoming and evolving. What they're telling us now is that this guy was just a fucking weirdo, nobody who just blew up an RV in the middle of Nashville. Um, I think he had some. I think he had something about this five G network. No, I've seen that. I I don't know about that. I mean, it's it's plausible because. He detonated the thing so close to that AT&T uh, right. networking center. Well, I, re- I read an article that said there was a couple, there was a couple hospitals um, that the, the staff and the physicians had to sleep in the hospital because they had no way to communicate with each other other than through the hospital system huh. because their phones wouldn't yeah, work. Uh, that may be true. Um, I didn't read that. It's still jacked up down there. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I've seen the pictures of it. It's We're talking about city blocks destroyed, a couple city blocks. And I think they, the the citation I saw I was what like 40, 40 plus buildings destroyed. I wonder what he used to blow that. I mean, wow. What's wrong with people? Precisely. I mean. <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with individuals? I, I wanted to say something while we were talking. It, it it occurred to me, and this is not the year 2020 in review, but it's just how the things that are so enormous today, and th- this is always gets said to people that have issues with, uh, it's almost like a therapy sort of saying, but, you know, the things that you think are so major today, you know, when you think back on them a year from now, won't be that you won't hardly remember them five years. They're, they're going to be insignificant. But anyway, do you remember what happened the day after Christmas in 2004? It was a major event. I was at a bar that is now Bonhoff. What was that one called? Max. Mac redos. Uh, well, it was Macintosh's yeah. back in my time. Okay. I, I was there. <laughs> Those Mac redos. I was you. there having drinks. I was with Tally right, Sargent. The day after other, Christmas. The day after Christmas, 2004. 2004. And I, I just Googled it because I wanted to bring this up because it tells you how sometimes we think we're caught up in the worst things ever going on. So I was in Pittsburgh training uh, in anesthesiology. 
I probably would have been at home though, uh, in Huntington. No, you may have been. No, no, with no, no, me. no, no, no. We, no, because by then, uh, Krista had moved there. I think you may have been down there with me. I don't remember. So it's what well, it's it's it it, it was a glo- it was uh, not in the U.S. Okay, the tsunami. In Indonesia. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. my God. Do you remember how massive that was? Yes, I do. Okay. I mean, there were thousands it, of people killed in that, right? 227,000 yes. people, 898. Yeah. We hardly even remember that. Mm-mm. And that happened right around, right now. Yeah. But- 16 years ago. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of this crap from this year we won't remember. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. you know, when you put things into perspective, the real, real major things, which you would think that that would be major. Well, and that's why I say, how on earth can you sit here and say this? 2020 is the worst year ever. I mean, you just can't. Yeah, I, that one, I, of, that one I event. I hate to hear that. <laughs> that one event wiped out almost as many people as COVID-19 has killed in the U.S. That's right, yeah. And we've almost forgotten about it. I, it just occurred to me. While we, Absolutely. Because it was, I remember, it was, I don't know why I just thought about it. And it's not 2020. <laughs> I guess from my, I'm just thinking of it from like a psychological perspective. But everything's relative. Absolutely. Yes. That's the, that's the statement. That That's correct. Um, Everything's relative. Well, let's move on to um, part of the, the close of this discussion today this podcast good things that happened in 2020 i'm going to talk about uh, some of the things that i found on the internet that i found to be interesting and notable uh, laughable and then i also want to close with um, things that happened to me or my family personally uh, in 2020 that i think were great and then I, you know, I would also encourage you to include commentary in that as well. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go through all of this stuff basically with a smile on my face. Cause it's all good. Really cool. Okay. I mean, it's not like mother Teresa stuff, <laughs> but it's good, positive vibe type of stuff that happened in 2020. Okay. My first note is Tiger King. That is good. Now, do you remember this? This thing was rolled out on Netflix just like right at the start of this pandemic. And everyone sat down and binged that thing. And we had all these internet memes about Carol Baskins. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> like I said, oh. go through the year with memes. And we, you know, we, oh, God. I, it, well, I, I might as well say it now. Memes. Is another positive that came oh, out in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's further down the list, but yeah, we could say it now. But no, uh, this Tiger King, Carol Baskins, you know, all the she music had to came have out killed of that, her yeah. husband. And uh, oh my God, just how crazy that guy was. Joe Exotic uh, yeah. is a. Everybody would want to be him, but they really wouldn't want to live his life. No, 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 no. But uh, that <laughs> that was. A hilarious, awesome series that came out. The timing of that release could not have been better. If you haven't watched that, you must. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there was The Match. Do you remember this? 
Oh, that the was, golf match. Yes, it yeah. was uh, Tiger and Phil, uh, who uh, also drug um, Tom Brady and uh, uh, Peyton Manning. And it was some the of the worst them. golf yeah. that anybody's <laughs> ever watched ever. And Phil Mickelson won that. Like I, I don't know why, but I was so furious about the fact that Phil Mickelson won that. Okay. But you're two for two so far. However, uh, I love the fact that that format of golf finally came out Mm -hmm. like, and it was televised and it raised a bunch of money. Um, it was awesome. And again, the timing of that was great. When we needed something good to watch, um, that was awesome. Uh, you know who John Krasinski is, right? Mm -hmm. He plays that dude on the office. Well, he came up with a, a, a YouTube channel or maybe a, or Instagram channel, whatever, uh, called Some Good News, the SGN. And he just, uh, I can't remember if it was weekly, probably at some point it was daily, but he would just come up with some um, uh, some uplifting video to put on uh, social media. And then I think he took that even further as the year went along and he, he helped uh, people with their proms or graduation or something like that and uh, so a great um uh, a great character a great person great cause great content uh that uplifted a lot of people and i enjoyed watching his stuff who can forget the floor is lava <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch any of those? Uh, we do. We yeah. still watch them. Oh my, my David, I have to tell you this. <laughs> Owen will say to this day, the volcano's erupting. The volcano's erupting. <laughs> and we all have to jump onto furniture and stuff. And because uh, we've been, we watch, he loves it. We, uh, Megan and I went and had pictures of the girls taken uh, at this studio over in Ashland like a month ago. And the photographer's little boy, this like maybe five or six year old boy was over there just running around the whole time. And I'm sitting on this couch and he comes over and he jumps on the couch next to me. He goes, the floor's lava. And instinctively I pulled my feet up off the floor. (laughs) And he looked at his mom, who's the photographer. And she's like standing on the floor, snapping pictures of the twins. Uh, And he says, mommy, you're dead. (laughs) That's awesome. But uh, the floor is lava with Rutledge wood. (laughs) um so now we're going to move in uh we'll move on to a couple more uh some serious good news i thought you were going to talk about we are the champions what the hell is that about the the tv show on netflix about all these competitions oh yeah Yeah. that was a good one too that was the pepper eating competition yes 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 i know Uh, well it kept me entertained for a while well, so yeah, how did that? Hell is that? You were the one that introduced me to that. No, I did recommend that to you guys. So, what was <laughs> on that? There the was cheese. Yeah, down so the there hill was the, the cheese the, rolling down the thing, and the well, people breaking their necks and yeah, stuff while literally. they're chasing it. Um, I can't remember what. It, so there was the pepper eating thing. Uh, they had the one that was the crapping contest. Over, did you make it to that episode? The crapping contest. Yeah, people will crap in these uh, things, and someone goes in and ranks them. Uh, no, I did. That 
It happens. I, it's in Switzerland or something. Okay, so I watched the whole series or as many episodes as they, as they had at that point, and I didn't see that. Oh my god, I need to go back. Yeah, and revisit I'm that. telling you, it was a shitting contest. <laughs> yes. Oh god. Yeah, and wouldn't you love to be the champion of that? <laughs> Maybe I could be. I'm telling you. Oh, Sam. But so a couple of serious ones. Let's here. put Huntington on the map and do that here. A couple of serious ones here. Um, everyone knows that uh, a lot of distilleries in this country um, re uh, retooled themselves or, or repurposed themselves to to make hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's significant. You know, um, no, I think that they did it tax-free, so it's probably some, you know, monetary advantage for them. So first of all, they could sell the product, but I believe that uh, legislation was enacted that any of the alcohol produced for inclusion in uh, <clears throat> sanitation products wasn't going to be taxed. Um, but no, those guys stepped up. You know, they're making alcohol all day, every day, and they just diverted some of it into the manufacture of um, hand sanitizer. That was amazing. That was. Uh, the automakers, so like Ford, GMC, um, Chrysler, retooled their plants to make ventilators. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was an amazing good thing that happened this past year. Uh, I think now we're going to get down to some less serious stuff again. Um, Zoom became a thing. This program, who uh, probably had, uh, that had probably been out for a few years, but it rose, uh, it came to the forefront as a, a very easy way for people to get together for video conferencing. And in in the age of COVID, when you can't travel or, you know, social gatherings are discouraged, people connected by Zoom, by video conferencing. And we saw everything from virtual wine tastings, virtual bourbon tastings, virtual happy hours, or just the, the occasion to get together and shoot the shit with each other by zoom i mean we did that with our brothers with all of us Mm -hmm. uh for a while we tried that i don't know weekly for what five or six weeks i can't remember and that worked out very very well um we had we saw like drive-by uh birthday parties drive-by graduation parties drive-by bar mitzvahs uh you know where People just got in their cars and drove past a person's house who was celebrating a birthday, beeped their horns, flashed their lights, tossed some presents out in the fucking yard. <laughs> just, um, well, I mean, <laughs> we, awesome. I mean, we got creative oh, yeah. with partying. Uh, I guess is the point. Um, here's what I personally did a lot of. People learned how to sew and bake. And craft, cook, and garden, and cook. Um, you know, I, I always used to make fun of our brother Ben because he was always baking stuff. Uh, I never really took the time to learn how to do that. I mean, I knew how to make a pie crust, but I'd never made bread before. But I'm telling you what, now, Sam, 
I can make all kinds of bread. I can make pretzels, you know, like the big uh, mm-hmm. ballpark soft pretzels. Um, yeah, as long as I can keep in stock uh, the yeast and the flour <laughs> necessary for it, um, I can bake bread. And I bought a sewing machine. I made masks. I made pillows. Uh, I talked about making clothes for the babies, but Megan wouldn't hear of it. Um, That's awesome. I haven't gardened um, just because I feel like it's impossible to garden here. You literally live on a rock. Well, there's that. Uh, The soil sucks. Plus, I think if I even got anything to grow, the deer would just decimate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I wish I could garden. I actually like to do that. And then cooking. Dude, like even before COVID, I cooked a bunch but I, we have cranked up the cooking here. Oh, we have, we have to. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, like, because it makes me sound like I, I don't want to support any of the local restaurants or anything. But, dude, we haven't been out to the restaurant, but five times or less since March, we've cooked every freaking meal here, and uh, it's been awesome. How about, uh, you know, some very famous musicians uh, performed concerts from their own homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they broadcast them on, like, Instagram and YouTube, stuff like that. You know, I remember, uh, like, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, I think, did it. Um, those are people I'm into. I think uh, I'm pretty sure, like, Taylor Swift did it. Maybe Katy Perry, you know, those are different genres i'm not into so much but that was kind of cool to see uh those people and normally they would they would derive a lot of their revenue from uh ticket sales and attendance at their concerts but they just did this for gratis from their own home you know like so they just get on a guitar start singing from their basement uh we saw the comeback of drive-in movies Mm mm-hmm uh, maybe not so much at an actual drive-in because I think all of those have been just plowed over and like Walmarts and, and stuff have been built on top of it. But people have just erected um, projection screens in the parking lot. Well, here locally, they put it up in the parking lot of Walmart, the projection screens, and have people uh, drive in and just watch from their cars. And um, it's not like back in the day where you, you had a speaker you know, hanging on a wire at every parking spot. Nowadays, you just tune in by an FM radio band. Um, board games have become cool again. That's kind of sad. That's we we haven't got together and played board oh, games. I know. I've, I've, that's um, actually crossed my mind. Um, but yeah, I see that all over the social media that um, board games are making a comeback and playing cards, stuff like that. Um, is this the last entry? Well, let, oh let, my god! Let oh, me, so go ahead. You may interject at any time, I've, Sam. I wanted to add some of my own personal. Oh ones. well, let me get. Let me mention this very last one, and then we'll go to our personal. Okay. Good twenty twenty stuff. The last entry on here says bidets with an exclamation mark. <laughs> so we had we had this shortage of uh, toilet paper. Which meant that, uh, you know, some people 
might have faced uh, going without. And how do you clean your ass or other body parts after you go to the toilet? And uh, we didn't install bidets so much, but we installed uh, devices that were like bidets. You know, I hate to toss out a brand name, but uh, Tushy is the one that comes to mind. And uh, I actually got one of these for Christmas. Megan thought, she told me it was a gag gift. And I said, well, buddy, I'm a, I'll am be connecting that on my secret poop toilet down at the end of the hall. Uh, <laughs> and I'll be trying it out. I haven't tried it yet, but I can't wait to do it because I think, like, I think that'll revolutionize the way that I go poop. Um, and I, it will... It will seriously diminish the amount of toilet paper I use. You remember the... Uh, and it'll help out the comfort on my asshole, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you remember the memes? Oh, God. Where the guy had the double <laughs> valve, and on one side of the valve went into the toilet bowl, or the toilet tank, yes. and the other valve went into like a, sh- a shower, not a shower hose, but like a spray thing yeah. for a sink, That's, faucet. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so I have a tushy thing I got for Christmas. I'm going to connect it, and uh, maybe in... A future podcast, I'll uh, I'll give a review of it. I'll, I'm going to give you a couple. Are you going to say some personal things here too? Or so? I, I want to give some. I th- will. Yes. Yeah. So th- that that concludes all the stuff that I have written down I, in the notebook. I hope I don't beat you on it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna list a couple very positive things for me in 2020. Um, okay. Number one, I've lost over 80 pounds. Jeez. Oh, over 20. It's all gone onto my ass cheeks in my stomach but i'm i mean i I was able to stick with it partially because i i was able to eat the things i needed to on my diet because you couldn't eat out anywhere and i didn't have the temptation of you know eating mcdonald's because Mm -hmm. i usually had a trailer attached to my van and i didn't want to drive it through a drive-thru yeah um my um i got a traeger Yes, you and did. And I smoked and smoked and smoked. It's part of this cooking thing. Started, mm-hmm. started cooking at home. I get fresh eggs every week for, um, that my neighbor literally raises. And so I get, he. I literally get 36 fresh eggs every week. If you want some, I'll give you some every week. Yeah, I was going to say, how can you eat that many? Well, it's part of my diet. Anyway. <laughs> no, but um, um yeah, gosh, well, every week. Um I my my son Otto was born month or two before all this happened and he has turned one in twenty twenty. Yes, sir. And he's a cutie pie. Well, and I, I want to tell the listeners uh thank you for today's his birthday, by uh, the way. Thank you for reminding all of us of his birthday. I'm gonna uh I'm going to bring up, I'm going to read verbatim the text that you sent us. Yeah. Um, crap. Yeah. Uh, Sam texted us today. And, I, and when, I say, when I say us, it's the, my, uh, the brother's conversation. Otto is waiting and is excited for all the gifts you guys will shower him with from Amazon on his first birthday today. Bless you guys. And then he loved his own text. Okay. <laughs> so it's basically like texting us twice. And I said to myself, Oh shit, I forgot. Or it's it not worked. that I, well, it's not that I forgot. It's like, I mean, dude, you have to realize I can't keep track of all the nieces and nephews and 
I can't even keep track of my brother's birthdays and my parents' birthdays. So, you know, I hope you're not offended that I overlooked your no, son's birthday. That, that was intentional, and it was no, a no. joke, obviously. No, but no, that that adds to more of my love of 2020 for all the crazy shit that we've just been talking about. Yeah. How much closer are you and I and our siblings during this time? We text all the time. We're constant yes. communication. Yes, we do. Um, we've done those Zoom calls. It, 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 we are, and so that that was another thing I was going to add to this. I here recently, I feel like I've found myself. You know, I'm 37. I feel like I've had a lot of self reflection over the last year, and mm-hmm. feel a lot more confident in who I am. And I don't think that would have happened had this year not have happened. Um, an, yeah. So th- this year, I hate to interrupt you, but what I was going to say is, I think this year has interrupted. A lot of other processes that would have normally happened in our lives and in our, in our own timelines, and I think that's what you're trying to say mm-hmm. is that you were probably on a pathway that got interrupted by by something in 2020. Yes. Yeah. And it um, it has made, and I'm sure I'm not speaking for myself, but if we're talking about happy, positive things in 2020, it made my family. It made me self-reflect it slowed the grind down and made me and i'm sure you david and everybody else realize what life really is about and what actually matters yes i totally agree with that and i so that's a major thing like that is priceless yeah and um it got me, and I'm, I don't want to steal your thunder, but it got me and you I, I, we're doing podcasts. Well, yeah. Um, that was something I was – you're not stealing my thunder, yeah. but that was something I was going to talk about positive from 2020. Uh, personally, as I, I started down this pathway, um, you know, this – I obviously didn't get uh, my podcast as huge as I would hoped, but I – but every podcast that I've done has been fulfilling. Um, I had, you know, by virtue of my, th- this drive that I have back and forth from Huntington to Charleston. So it's <clears throat> every day the round trip is close to two hours. So I've got a lot of private time in the vehicle, and I've chosen to occupy that time with um, consuming podcasts you know, as much as I can. I started out with, um, <clears throat> you know, some true crime stuff. Uh, eventually went into uh, not take that back i the very first podcast i ever listened to uh was one called dr death oh, uh, i remember you tell produced me by wondering uh and then um it just went from there there was uh, another one i think produced by wondering called um well, gosh, I can't even remember the title of it, but it was this guy who was like a, a con man who had, um, you know, convinced some rich, older single woman to um, bring him in and like give her, uh, give him his her fortune, and uh, and then one of her children confronted him. They they had an altercation with a knife and a gun, something like that, and she wound up killing him. Um. I think the title of that was something like John 
like the John or something like that. I can't remember. But anyways, so I just I went from there, um, asked asked around what people are listening to, and I somehow stumbled onto this Joe Rogan podcast, which had been going on for years and years before I ever discovered it. And um, I listened to the first episode of that, or my first episode of it, and was hooked. And I said, you know, I can do this. I, I think it would be interesting if I did interesting if I did something like this. And you know, so I talked to Sam here about it, and um, we kind of simultaneously came up with uh, our own ideas of podcasts. We ordered some equipment, and yeah, you know, here we are. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, something positive came out of 2020. Along the lines of what you, uh, just mentioned, Sam, you said something kind of like finding yourself or, or setting yourself mm-hmm. on a good path. Um, the same thing happened to me this year. I, um, you probably know this. I know I've talked to you about this. I've talked to plenty of people about this. I don't think it's any secret. Um, I struggle from time to time about the work that I do. You know, um, sometimes I really enjoy what I do for work. Uh, sometimes I absolutely despise what I do. You know, if people know me, um, or if you, even if you don't know me, I, I'm an anesthesiologist. So I'm a physician. I'm trained in anesthesiology. And, um, you know, for, for a while, I thought it was the most glorious job on the planet. Um, and then you know, my pendulum swung the other way. I felt really burnt out. Uh, I felt helpless. You know, that was just another cog in a machine. I worked for a large national company, didn't have a voice. You know, the workload was getting unbearable. I mean, these are very common things that all workers complain of, not just in medicine, but it is very prominent in medicine. Uh, so that what I'm describing is burnout. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling with that big time. Um, beginning, beginning seven or eight years ago, and I got bad very burned out, um, changed jobs, uh, just over two years ago and, uh, you know, started working in, uh, in another city about an hour away from where I live. The setting was different. Um, went from being an employed physician to working in a private practice. So what happened there was I, I felt like I had more of a voice. I had much more of a stake in what I was doing. Um, and even though I knew I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily healing everyone. I wasn't fixing all the, 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 the community's medical problems. Um, yeah, I just, I just began to feel better about what I was doing. And, um, you know, as of today, I, I celebrated my two year anniversary with this company, uh, in early November, I was offered the opportunity to become a shareholder in the company, and I am now a shareholder. Um, and I'm just I'm very happy where I am right now. You know, I, the drawback is I have to drive 
a somewhat significant distance to and from work. Uh, however, I'm in a good place right now. And I think that, um, you know, going through all this coronavirus stuff, you know, seeing how bad things got with the initial shutdown of businesses and commerce and me still being able to go to work, still being able to put money in the bank, thankfully, and still being able to take care of patients in the community, you know, that was very important to me. And going forward, you know, we've continued to be productive, continued to take care of patients, um, continued to thrive as a family, uh, as a company. So a lot of good things have come out of this year for me uh, as a professional, as a worker, uh, as a medical, as a member of the medical community. Um, so I'm very happy with that. And I, I think that's kind of somewhat in line with what you were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. finding yourself, finding your purpose. Um, now this year didn't come without struggle at work. You know, we, uh, we had a lot of member physicians in this company leave the practice prior, prior to the coronavirus thing. You know, the, most of the, most of the departures were last year, <clears throat> 2019. So, we ran, we worked very lean, if you will. There's a lot of on calls for us, um, but we're we're finally starting to build the practice back up. We've had people sign up to work with us. Um, we've got some commitments for the future. You know, some trainees are going to come and work with us uh, after they graduate. So things are looking up. Um, schedule's going to improve. Lifestyle's going to improve. Um. Other things for me personally are that um, I've seen um, I've seen my two baby girls, my my twin baby girls, get a year older and do more and more. Um, you know, these were two babies when they were born uh, just over two years ago that we worried so much about. They were slightly premature. They were both underweight. Um, you know, I don't want to say things were touch and go at first, but like we were really concerned about how much each one of them was eating, for example, and how many wet diapers they had in a day, how many times they pooped in a day. And now they're just normal, crazy two-year-olds. And they're driving us up the wall and it could not be more glorious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I told, I told Ying just the other day, I said, because we 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 don't plan on having any more kids, and I said, you know what, you know we're getting older. Our kids are you know younger still, but you know everybody's growing up, and these bottles that we're having to wash every freaking day, I said we can get rid of them here pretty soon, like in like a month, you know, he'll go to a sippy cup, and we won't have yeah. to do, we won't have to wash baby bottles you know what i mean these yeah. these tiny little steps <clears throat> your daughters by the way are so cute I, we don't we don't see them enough i mean nobody i know nobody them. sees them enough we keep them under lock and key i feel like and it's for a couple of reasons i mean i think a lot of it goes back to the fact that we were so protective of them mm-hmm. when they were first born oh yeah and that's carried over to now like I think even 
if this coronavirus thing didn't exist, we would still be very protective of them. However, the coronavirus thing exists and like, well, we won't hardly let anyone come over here. Well, you know, like Otto, for instance, you know, um, Sharon called me the other, you know, our stepmom and said, you know, you guys going to have a bunch of people for his birthday. I said, first of all, no, due to, mm-hmm. due to COVID. And secondly, due to COVID, I don't think Otto knows of any other little kid. Like, yeah, we've not yeah. been, and, and I mean, for him, it's sad, but he's, I have spent more time with him than I think I did with Owen. And, um, you know, we, we, my son's first birthday party today was literally just us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. Yeah. Well, that's almost how, uh, the twins' second birthday was well. Yeah, well, as you know, that was false COVID scare, and then you're. Oh yeah, well, everyone thought that mom had COVID, and then um, we were around. There was this fear, like you know, uh, Megan's brother Brandon and their family had COVID like three weeks prior, so we thought they were okay to come. But then I, it was weird. So we there's a COVID scare. We shrunk down the invite list big time. <laughs> Uh, and really all we had over was, uh, dad. So Sharon was out of town with her daughters, I think. And I feel horrible cause we could have actually come, but anyway. Yeah. And then we had, um, my brother-in-law and his family and my, uh, parents-in-law. That was it. So it was a very small celebration, but it was a great celebration nonetheless. Um, you know, another thing about this year, so I've. I've grown another year older and I'm telling you, I'm I'm getting to this point in my life, Sam, it'll hit you at some point where um, you're just thankful for getting another year older. Now I'm not trying to say that I'm afraid of dying at any point, but I think one realizes um, their own mortality as you, uh, progress down this um, thing we call life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I turned 45 this year, which uh, yeah, I know that the 40 year mark is kind of like a milestone. 50 year mark is a, a big milestone, but I kind of considered this year to be a milestone as well. And um, so I'm thankful for another year of life for me and um Relative good health. Hey, um, cheers to that. Uh, oh, yeah. We can absolutely taste that. Same. My my beer to your whiskey. Uh, here's what else has happened in 2020, and this is mind-blowing to me. Uh, so my, my son, Tucker, uh, he's 17 years old. Um, he was accepted uh, at West Virginia Wesleyan College. Uh, and offered a um, a rather large scholarship um, just based on his academic merit. Um, he also uh, qualified for a promise scholarship based on his uh, ACT scores. And then get this, this is the biggest mind blow for me. He... <laughs> He was offered a scholarship uh, to play on their esports team. Did you know this, Sam? 
At Westland? Yeah, Westland. No, I did not. I've not. Now, a lot of people out there, like I've told people about this at work, and everyone's like, what the fuck is an eSports? What, what is that? And I, I've always known about eSports. Um, like electronic sports? Yes, it's online gaming. And Tucker, ever since he was uh, accepted into Westland, he has sat down and he has tried out with their eSports team. He's played these games with them and tried out. And apparently that's that's the routine. Um, it's not like football where they just, you know, you, you, you're a, you, you stand out on your team and, you, you know, you're an all-state player, <clears throat> whatever, um, because the, the high schools don't have eSports, not, not to my knowledge. So uh, you, yeah. you actually have to go and try out at the colleges or not go like you do it from your house. But uh, he tried out, and um, he did well enough that they offered a scholarship to play eSports. Well, I mean, what would you expect from the son of David Denning, one of the well, best uh, gamers that uh, I've known? You know, he, you know, I used I to. I am proud. Of, I, I'm proud. I, mean, I know you are. I'm proud of Tucker. He's a I am too. very intelligent kid. I would have never thought of that. But, he, 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 but he, I, uh, I told Tucker, I said, well, Finally, all the dicking around that you've done in the last <laughs> four or five years is paying off. Uh, but no, I, um, that's awesome. That's cool. No, I think it's amazing that then this whole esports thing, I can't wait to see how this plays out. Hopefully I can like watch this. Maybe I can stream this over the internet and watch him compete. Uh, he's, uh, they offered him a spot on their Valorant team. Now I had to look up this Valorant game. And Valorant is this Windows-based uh, first-person shooter, like almost strategy um, game. And, and it, he got a scholarship for this. Yeah, I think they they're offering him. They're going to give him like four thousand bucks a year. So it's a twelve thousand dollar total. Or no, three thousand a year. So twelve thousand dollar total um, scholarship. And um, damn. And I just. I no, I'm I'm literally aghast at this. I um I know it's a thing, but I never thought that first of all I never thought that West Virginia Wesleyan would have a team in it, right? I mean they barely have a football team, barely have a basketball team. Right. Uh, but then again maybe I shouldn't be surprised. You know, they're they're a technologically advanced campus. Um so esports you know, they maybe they, they lend them themselves as a campus to esports. Who knows? Um but no, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, what else this year? Um, yeah, so well, think about all the things that were supposed to happen this year. Uh, we were supposed to go on this huge Denning family cruise on the Disney cruise lines. Like, oh my gosh, all of, so imagine this this time last year. Is when Dad dropped all this on us. Yeah, we're going on um, a cruise. It was like a Christmas gift. He says, "Hey, yeah, I I bought a cruise for everyone, airfare, all this stuff. Like all expenses paid. You know, it's going to be uh, when was it? Like th- this July, I think, or May? June. No, 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 May, the, uh, May and June. End of June, yeah. into the beginning um, of May, or into uh, May, yeah. into the beginning of June. And then this coronavirus stuff hit, and like we, I think we." sort of held out hope that it was going to be okay but then cruises just got canceled worldwide 
so we should have been doing that. Now that's been rescheduled for next August, but who knows what will happen by then. Um, you know, I was supposed to have taken a couple of out-of-town vacations this year, but I decided to stay at home, and I'm kind of glad we did because I got stuff done around the house. I mean, if you're if you're ever in studio, you realize that it looks like nothing's happening around this house. But no, I've built some shit, and uh, I work here constantly. Um, a lot of times, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels, but um, now I'm always happy for the time off, whether I travel or whether I stay at, at the house here. Um. Oh, what else can we talk about good this year, buddy? I there's well, been I, plenty I would, of uplifting I things. Going, I guess where I was going and I, with this is that while 2020 is has been shitty, there's a, there's a big part of me that says it's actually better because when would something like this have ever occurred to make us just take an actual step back? You know, we only, and, I, and I've said this in one of my podcasts, but like you said, you know, you get older and you realize the brevity of life. Mm-hmm. Like, like our lives are so insignificantly short. They really are. Yeah. And do I want to knowingly or unknowingly spend my hopefully God-given or whatever you want to believe, 70 or 80 years of health, if if, if I'm lucky, in a grind where I'm not, I don't really take into account the finer things I have in my life except for the last week of my life, you know, because, mm. because I suddenly realize I'm about mm. to die? Mm-hmm. Or do I? does it take an event like 2020 to make me see it when I'm I'm 37 and live the rest of my life enlightened. And I feel like yeah. I feel like through the thick and thin of this BS that I'm enlightened. Yeah. I honestly do. I feel like um you know for anybody listening and I hope maybe you do too but I I feel like I get what the purpose of my family is for. I get you know, meals at home, you know, it just, things make a lot more sense. I'm not just doing things because you're supposed to be doing things and it's the grind of life. Yeah. There's more <clears throat> to my, my life has significantly more meaning that I would have never recognized prior to a worldwide pandemic. I feel you big does, time. Does, I think, I think you've hit on something um, tangible there. And you know, I much. It's um, a deep thing to think about, but I, I believe it. <laughs> you can, you know, nobody listening can see me, but I, I sincerely, mm-hmm. uh, believe it. Maybe it hasn't done the same thing for everything. Maybe I'm more fortunate because it didn't financially impact me as much as others. But I, when would I have ever stepped back? You know, so let me. I want to touch on this just briefly. I don't want this to turn into an hour-long discussion, but um, you just said it hasn't affected you as much financially as others. Same thing with me. And uh, I have at times felt uh, some guilt about that, Uh, like a survivor's guilt, 
if you will. Does that bother you at all? Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Um, yesterday, I have, um, I do actually, because uh, I, I actually think I made more money this year, and uh, it's weird, but um, I was talking to a, a girl, a, a girl that rents for me, a woman. She's got kids. She got grandkids. And she gets HUD, so she gets help from. The, she's always gotten help from the government for rent, mm-hmm. but part of part of her rent is she she has to pay it. Mm-hmm. And she called me, and we start talking, and she calls me all the time because she's doesn't have anything. Like the, this woman literally doesn't have anything. There's a she. There's a legit reason she's getting assistance, and um, great lady, just. Her whole entire life has been a struggle. She's uh-huh. asking me questions, and she owes me like a hundred and fifteen dollars a month. That's her part of the rent, and the mm-hmm. rest of the rent gets paid by the government. Okay. And I am just listening to her, and I'm having the feelings like you're just describing about. I'm okay. Yeah. And I get done and listening to her, and I said, I said, Angie, I hate to use her this her name. I, I said, Angie, don't. You need, you need that hundred and fifteen dollars way more than me. I said I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can do anything to help you out, you know, keep it. Do not pay me January's hundred and whatever. And she cried for mm. literally two minutes on the phone. I had to consult. She goes, nobody's ever done that for me. Like nobody's ever, nobody cares. And I said, well, I want you to know that. People do care. And, um, you know, I just had that feeling in my heart yesterday that, you know, it's $100. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but for this woman, it was like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it was kind of didn't matter that much. And so I, I did that for her. Yes, yesterday. I mean, it was weird because I wasn't gonna. She was telling me she had it to pay me, mm-hmm. and then I jokingly said, "But you know, you're gonna still have to pay in February. <laughs> you know, you, you. I don't want you yeah. to get in this mindset that you don't have to pay." Me. She, she. That got her out of crying. But part of it is, is I, you know, I am blessed, and you're blessed too, and. For whatever reason, I don't want to say it's God. I'd like to believe it's God, but for whatever reason, I think a lot of it's maybe my personality. It's your smarts. Uh, it's my smarts, my personality, whatever. It doesn't matter. For whatever reason, I've got it. And for whatever reason, you've got it. Um, and there's times where I look at this lady in particular as an example, and her life's been shit for her whole life. I mean, she mm-hmm. may she may not know any better, but what's a hundred bucks at Christmas time? Yeah, for some, you know. And I told her that I said, Angie, I bet your life's been a lot rougher than mine. And she goes, it, ha-, you know, it, it, you know. And I, I hate. I mean, I'm giving a real world example, but I actually did that, you know, and and um. It was more for me than it was for her because I've just been having a lot of these thoughts about what, you know, I am okay. And and there are people that 
are trying, which this lady does try, and uh, especially people that work in the, like we've spoken about here, that work in the restaurant business particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're getting killed. They're they're getting killed. They're so, being stifled. So do I have, <clears throat> what, what, what did you call it, the guilt? Um, well, I said survivor's, survivor's guilt. guilt. I don't know if that's the correct term or yeah, not. Yeah, well, I, in, in the, you know, I don't want people to think that they deserve something for nothing, but I want people to know they're appreciated. Mm-hmm. Their life is not any more or less important than mine. We're mm-hmm. all we're all the same. For whatever reason, their path's different. Yeah, in twenty twenty, may have blown them off course, but um, you know, yeah, I feel blessed. And um, lucky, you know, I work with my hands, and that's something that COVID didn't affect for 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 mm-hmm. any for anybody that works. I mean, literally, I don't mm-hmm. want to say typing, or, but you know, like physical labor types of people. Well, yeah, you're always going to have to fix busted pipes, and yeah, I mean, the amount of crap that I've had to fix. I mean, even during <laughs> COVID, I mean, you know, people people still take enormous shits that stop up toilets. <laughs> Whether whether it's uh, in the middle of a massive pandemic or, you know, in, uh, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, how how are, how have, what about what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on what in particular? Well, you know, having this, you know, doing okay during times for you know where you know that a, a chunk of the country or the world even yeah so, um. Gosh, where do I even begin? Um, this has turned into a great conversation, by the way. Yeah, and we'll probably have to wrap it up soon. But anyhow, so I, um, on one hand, I guess I consider myself like an essential worker. On one hand, I do not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a medical provider. Uh, I'm hospital based, you know, so I don't have, I don't have an office outside of the hospital. So, I, so my, my work is always going to be guaranteed. You know, is, does that make sense? Yeah. And so as long as people need surgery, my work is guaranteed. So that can mean <clears throat> all the emergency stuff. So we're talking, you know, gunshots, car wrecks, uh, ruptured aneurysms, uh, appendicitis, stuff like that. All, all this emergency stuff. As long as all that exists, I'm gonna always gonna be in work. Now, the icing on the cake is the people that need elective surgery, joint replacement, uh, spine surgery to relieve, you know, uh, discs. You know compressed discs and whatnot, cosmetic surgery. Um, you know, the list can go on and on and on. What what you think is elective versus emergency. Um, but like I said, so as, long as, as long as people are hurting themselves, I'm going to have a job. Which is period. For, which is for <clears throat> it's never yeah. gonna stop. Yeah. And like I said, the elective stuff is just kind of the icing on the cake. 
And then, and, and then when you look at the elective surgeries, like, and this is another thing that's come to the forefront during the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, during the coronavirus pandemic is what exactly is elective surgery? Okay. Now there are surgeries that are clearly elective. Like cosmetic. Cosmetic stuff. Women getting breast augmentation, facelifts, nose jobs. I, you know, and I hate to harp on those plastic surgeons out there because, I mean, that's their livelihood, right? But those are things like, those are not going to get worse over time. You know, people are not going to hurt from those. When you look at other quote, elective surgeries, such as joint replacement. Okay. So say you have bone on bone, knee joint, osteoarthritis. That's not going to kill you. It's not a life or death thing, right? So it's considered to be elective surgery. However, the longer you let that go, the more miserable you become. And the more severe your arthritis becomes. And perhaps the more difficult your surgery becomes. You follow? Mm-hmm. So even though it's not a life or death surgery, there's some urgency to get it done, right? Same thing with spine surgery, for example. You got a disc bulging. You know, It might not be enough to cause you to be paralyzed, but it's causing you significant pain. Um, and the longer you put that off, that maybe that disc just explodes and causes you to get paralyzed or to have cauda equina syndrome where you lose control of your bladder and your bowels, you know, um, then it becomes an emergency. You, 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 so you follow me like yeah. that? Well, like some hernia surgeries aren't emergency. Exactly. They're, but but the longer you put them off, the more pain a person has and then the more maybe the more likely they are to have a hernia that comes out that you can't reduce, you can't put back in. Um, and then those become emergency surgeries. So, yeah. So we, we've, we've taken a step back and, and so initially we, you really do, shrunk do, it down. Originally. What do, so what, what do I want to say? So initially, initially it was black and white. There was elective surgery and there was non-elective surgery. There was emergency surgery. That was the first go around with the the COVID back um, in March. Yeah, with the COVID crackdown on elective surgeries. Now there's another COVID crackdown on on elective surgeries, but the smarter people can say, "Hey, so th- this isn't a life or death surgery." However, if I don't get to this person in the next month, they're going to be in real bad shape. And so they'll they'll let that one go through. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. So anyways, There's I guess more to it. I guess just, what they I guess the initial question here was, how do I feel with my current state of employment? The fact you know, that you still have the, made money and the fact other, that yeah. my head is still above water. Yeah, yeah. That so, I mean, yeah, I do, I do have some survivors' remorse, if you will. Um. However, I do realize that, and this is the argument I will always make with people about my job, 
you know, because there are some people that say I make too much money or whatever. But for me, for me to get to this point where I am, uh, I've made so many sacrifices that other people never will. Um, I'm talking about you know working hundred to hundred twenty hour week hour weeks, uh, missing you know kids' birthdays, missing Christmas, missing New Year's, missing Fourth of July, what you know stuff like that. Um, and now, I guess I can say I get to be rewarded for all that. You know, I, I, I get to... The fruits con- of your labor. I get to be continually employed. And I get to continually earn an income. You know, so part of me says, well, I deserve this. But then I say, well, it's rotten, though, that other people may not make it through um, these COVID times. Other businesses may not make it through the COVID times. I I hate it. It's a difficult, uh, it's it's an interesting conundrum, but I, I think that, you know, to end your podcast on a good note, which we have been, there's hope. Even with these restaurants that have shut down, they'll either they'll re there there's there's a demand for it. They'll reopen in another capacity, or maybe that business, if the government doesn't give them the money that they need, maybe they'll be able to declare bankru- bankruptcy and start over. Mm-hmm. Because people still want that product. It's just maybe that. Yeah. So on on business. the positive note, we're going to be fine. Yeah. I think after so. all this, and you know. We're going to go into 2021 hurting still. Um, but I think there will be an upturn at some point during 2021. And my sincere hope is we can put all this behind us. Uh, you know, I think. Um, would, would you. I'm going to give you a black and white here. Okay. Um, would you consider. The overall of 2020, because this is a 2020 in a review podcast, mm-hmm. the over, under, or whatever, I don't know what you call it, but the <laughs> overall of 2020, is it more positive or more negative? Oh my gosh, Sam. So that's a hard one to answer. Well, I think for, you can, my can, immediate, can for, my immediate reaction is going to be, it's more negative. Well, here's where I was going to say it, because I think it's multifaceted. Yes. There is a positive, uh, there is a personal aspect of it, and there is a community yeah. slash national So, aspect. yeah, so I when you put me, it like that. Personally, my, it's positive. No, me. so when you put it like that, personally, my life has been positive. Absolutely been positive. There's not a lot of negative in my life. But when I look on the news, read the newspaper, watch the television, whatever, it appears to be all negative. And that's fascinating to me. But it, So that somewhat puts it in perspective. And I think that it's going to go back to poli- a little bit political, but all that really matters is our lives. Yes. And so for me, and personally, I feel like it's been significantly more positive have i been a little bit bummed out over the holidays yes more Mm. way way more so than ever 
that's when it's hit me the most that where things are different. But in the community and all that, it's been negative. It's crushed businesses. It's crushed some families. But on a personal level, it's changed me. Um, so it might be a wash or something, but I think for those listening to us and you, um, think of all of the people that died that were on that list at the beginning of the podcast and all the good they did and all the positive and there's people living right now doing mm-hmm. the same thing mm-hmm. and we're doing so it it uh, 2020 has actually been not so bad i agree with you and that's why <laughs> that's why i said at the outset how can you say this is the worst year ever yeah I know. I think it's um, it's not been that bad. You're right. And um, so I do want to uh, I, I do want to bring this to a closure. Um, I do appreciate everyone who's ever listened to any of my podcast. I seriously appreciate it, all the listenership. Uh, as of tonight, I think I have around 360 listens to all of my podcasts, and I appreciate every one of you. Um, I, however, I have very few comments in the comment section. I wish that I would have more comments, more questions posed, more suggestions, um, because I love to address that stuff. Um, I do look forward in 2021 to having more people in the studio or more people interviewed by a telephone. Um, I, I really do want to propagate this podcast and have it, uh, on a more regular basis. And I am committed to, uh, if I need to, I'll do some, uh, uh, monologues. Uh, but certainly we, I appreciate having Sam over tonight. Um, his second time casting with me. Uh, I hope that everyone has a safe and happy New Year's holiday uh, wherever you're listening from. <clears throat> Just enjoy enjoy life. Reflect back on the good things we've seen this past year and, um, and keep be, a positive outlook yeah, be for honest. 2021. I'm sorry to cut. Be honest with your 2020. Yeah. How was it for you personally? Yeah, so we're going to sign off with that. This has been uh, the Borderlands podcast. Den Rock, your host, and Sam, our guest tonight. Um, happy New Year. Happy end of 2020.